Hello and welcome under the Kotatsu. I'm your host Austin, joined as always by Danielle. Hey nerds. And Danny. Hey. Uh, and we are back with a new show this time. We have watched the first six episodes of SSSS Gridman. Very important to get the right number of S's. Um, <laughs> for multiple reasons, I guess. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, but before we get into that, I'll let us go around the table and see what everybody is drinking. Uh, Danny, let's start with you. Uh, I'm just having some sparkling mineral water. Some San Pellegrino, because I'm bushy. What does San Pellegrino mean? Is it like a name or does that mean something? I think it's a, a place. Oh, okay. It's where all the minerals come from. Yeah, it could be wrong, but I think it's, yeah, uh, it's a, a place in Italy. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, Danielle, what are you enjoying this fine afternoon? Just some black coffee. Still waking up. Same on the coffee, unfortunately. I'm very much awake. <laughs> uh, I say it with my eyes uh, taped open. Um, all right. Uh, well, as I said, we're here to talk about Gridman, um, which is a uh, 2018 anime uh, produced by Studio Trigger, directed by Akira uh, Amemiya, who also directed for Trigger Inferno Cop, which I know we're all fans of, uh, Dinazanon, which is kind of the sort of sequel to the show, which I've actually seen before. I've talked about in our uh, kind of what you've been watching segments um, probably about a year ago <laughs> at this point. Um, he also directed Ninja Slayer, uh, which is a fun show, um, and then has worked on a bunch of Trigger stuff in other capacities, just not in a directorial capacity. Like, he has a bunch of credits on uh, Kill a Kill, I think in particular, like some AD credits and stuff. And then, um, uh, not a Trigger show, but kind of in the same lineage, also has lots of credits on Gurren Lagann, which comes through, I think. Um, and then... Uh, kind of surprised how much prior to like directing for trigger and working in a larger capacity like that uh, he has a ton of key animation credits on various shows i didn't write down but just noted that uh anime news network listed a ton of shows that he did key animation for so kind of um you know earned his stripes i guess uh, cut his teeth on a lot of different shows um it's also written by uh keichi hasagawa did series composition and all 12 scripts uh, who uh, I think these are fun credits. Also uh, wrote Dinazanon, which makes sense. Has writing uh, credits on Big O, which Danny, I know you like as well. Mm. Um, Devil Lady or Devil Man Lady, the Devil Man spinoff, but this time it's a lady. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, which I've not seen, but seems very fun. And writing credits on Zoids, which is a show I watched a lot in as a kid in 2003 or whatever that I would like to go back to. And I thought that was a fun one. Also makes sense that this guy has writing credits on Tokusatsu stuff. Uh, so Common Rider Ghost, Ultraman Dyna, and Ultraman Nexus uh, specifically. So there's that lineage in here as well, which will make sense as we talk about the show. A um, couple more things. Uh, music is by Shiro uh, Sagisu, who uh, people will know from Evangelion, of course. Uh, that soundtrack's iconic and it kind of comes through in the show. But also, uh, we didn't talk about this when we talked about the show, but he did the soundtrack for Bleach, or at least, like, I think, like, the earlier seasons of Bleach. Um, mm. Did the soundtrack for a lot of the newer Berserk stuff, not the 90s show, but the movies and shows that have uh, come in the last 10 years or so. Um, did the music for uh, Kimigure uh, Orange Road, which is interesting. <laughs> Very different show than those. Um, and also Dinazanon as well, and uh, Kari Kano. Um, and then a couple more notes about the show, and then we'll just get into it. But uh, 
character designs are by uh, Masaru Sakamoto, who I just thought is interesting, has only done character design work for the show in Dinazanon, uh, but I think the designs are really good. Um, and then it obviously bears mentioning this is like based on, um, is probably the best way to put it, um, Hyper Agent Gridman, which is a tokusatsu show from the early 90s. If you somehow didn't know that watching uh, any amount of the show, because it seems obvious. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a 1993 uh, Super Riot production. Super Riot production makes Ultraman, all the Ultraman stuff. Uh, it was conceived as like a 30th anniversary Ultraman spinoff set uh, in like uh, like a computer. Well, not set in, but like dealing with computers and stuff, um, which is fitting because it's like the first Super Riot show to be filmed on digital video and take advantage of a lot of like new digital compositing techniques which like interestingly enough like sentai wouldn't start using for at least a couple years afterwards so they were kind of ahead of the game in that space um but yeah i think that's all the setup we need for the show uh i have only ever seen one episode of the show before uh i was curious uh how far or how much y'all had known or, or seen of the show before we watched it for this um i've seen about 10 or so episodes i distinctly remember not finishing it but still knowing what happens throughout the show i'm not sure why i didn't finish it looking back at it but uh yeah hmm. and what about you danny i've never seen it or heard of it really okay <laughs> i, I guess i need sense. to start retweeting more yuri fan art of random shit <laughs> keep you in the loop there you go uh quick uh point because I, I i don't I feel like we might have mentioned it before, like in the what we're watching, but I don't know mm-hmm. that we've ever hammered down on it. But just in case anyone who's listening doesn't know, um, tokusatsu is like a, a genre. Um, the closest or like most accessible thing, I think, to most Americans or people who don't watch toku in you know in its base form is Power Rangers, is is a, a like a Western adaptation of Super Sentai series. Um, Austin, it, you might be able to give more of a overview of like what makes tokusatsu its own like what are the characteristics of toku yeah tokusatsu is like i think literally means like costume drama basically Mm. um uh you can like the three main pillars of toku are like ultraman super sentai which spawns power rangers here and common rider but there's a bunch of other stuff uh there's like the metal hero series from the 80s uh if you want to get technical like all the godzilla stuff is like you know kind of in that same house of like you know guys in suits like that's the costume element of uh tokusatsu um and it's like you know predominantly stuff geared at young boys to sell uh toys basically uh but it you know has a long uh lineage um i also think if you this in reverse unlocked uh wrestling for me <laughs> but i have heard tokusatsu <laughs> described as like it's like anime but for wrestling fans i guess um which mm. made me go like oh that's why people like wrestling it's just like live action pretend or, or like like live filmed pretend tokusatsu <laughs> it's like oh, okay i get it now um but that's kind of the vibe of like liking a toku show is it's like you you like to see the cool guys beat up the bad guys who are also cool but you ultimately want them to and be defeated by the heroes um i've always liked this stuff as a kid because i liked power rangers as a kid but also liked godzilla a lot as a kid and just like i don't know what other people's experiences are watching that stuff as a young age but like clearly knew it was like dudes in suits but that was the part that was cool about it to me (laughs) um and so i've just always had a a love for this kind of stuff and have continued to watch more and more of it over the years so i watched the first episode of this when it aired 
really liked it. <laughs> and then uh, it was also coincidentally my last semester of college. So <laughs> I quickly didn't have any time to watch um, but a few anime and, and that one uh, fell off for me at that point. Um, but so I'm happy to happy to be finishing it because it's good. Um, okay, well, I guess we'll get into the first episode, which is called Awakening. I don't know if they say this title or show this title at all in the episode. I, I genuinely had to look it up because I either missed it or it's just not in there. <laughs> but it's called Awakening. Uh, a young boy named Yuta Hibiki awakens in the home of his classmate Rika Takarada with no memory of his past and sees hallucinations of a robot named Gridman in an old computer terminal in Takarada's family store. The next day, Yuta meets his friend Sho Utsumi, who helps him cope with his amnesia. Intrigued by Yuta's story about Gridman, Utsumi asks Yuta to show him the terminal, which he nicknames Junk. They run into Rika along the way. A kaiju then abruptly appears and begins attacking the city, destroying the school while some students uh, were there. Yuta is sucked into the terminal and reappears as Gridman to battle the kaiju, defeating the monster with help from Utsumi and Rika, but Gridman warns them that there are more kaiju to come. The next day, Yuta and his friends are shocked to see that their school has somehow been rebuilt. Um, so what did y'all think of this first episode? Very good. <laughs> yeah, like, solid first episode. <laughs> A lot of interesting stuff in terms of, like, the... Uh, design of the world because uh, for most of this episode Yuta can't see anything or sorry Yuta can see everything like a, a big kaiju in the background he, t- he keeps talking about like the mist rolling in and like being really thick and everyone else is like you know what, what are you talking about um, and I just love that kind of imagery of you know people going about their everyday lives and like there's these gigantic <laughs> like Godzilla like monsters in the background um, and then, you know, the veil starts falling off for other characters once the kaiju are awakened, you know, like they, they almost get like awakened to the, to be able to see everything and, uh, thus allowing them to get involved, uh, later on. But, uh, very interesting kind of initial setup that thankfully they, they don't spend too much time on the whole, we don't, we can't see Gridman and we can't communicate like that. I felt like that was going to become really old very quickly. Um, so thankfully they, they got that out of the way, but, uh. Yeah, really, really great way to start it off. Yeah, my impression of this first episode from when I watched it, I guess, four years back now, which is crazy to think about, uh, <laughs> is that it is, like, an incredibly strong, like, opening, just kind of, like, gets you in there, but also, like, you know, has enough, like, kind of air of mystery to, like, what's really going on. I was, like, happy that it kind of held up to that memory I had of it, of it being, like, an extremely strong opening episode of an anime. Um I uh, definitely agree with you, like, the, you know, kind of typical of a trigger show, the, like, design of the world is really well thought through and executed. I love all the, um, you know, you don't, you get them in more than just this episode, but I love all the shots of, like, the kaiju silhouettes across the city. Um, As much as the show is, like, influenced by, like, toku and kaiju stuff, it's uh, also very clearly inspired by Evangelion. You get lots of really good shots of, like, telephone wires (laughs) crisscrossing across the frame. Um, I joked about this on Twitter, but I uh, have way too many pages in my notes um, because I just keep posting screen or putting screenshots into them. And it's because, like, the framing of shots uh, in the show is, like, sublime, like, just a a joy to watch. Speaking of the feels a bit like Ava, it, the show loves its uh, somber um, background noises, like cicadas. Oh yeah, yeah. 
and and they keep talking about how hot it is like it's very much like important that it's summer mm-hmm. and uh the ava references become or maybe not become but there there are some that we'll talk about in later episodes that are extremely direct in ways that are just just kind of funny honestly but um but yeah i saw the telephone wires and immediately was like aha i've seen evangelion too <laughs> Well, I mean, I feel like some of the staff has worked on Ava, yeah? I wouldn't be surprised, but, like, Ava's just so much in the DNA of, like, so much anime that comes, like, afterwards that it, it doesn't really need any justification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess, for those who don't know, Trigger, the studio that produced this spun-off of Gainax, which is why um, you mentioned earlier that uh, Amamiya had a lot of credits on Gurren Lagann. Yes, which is a oh. Gainax show. Hmm. Um, in addition to the framing being sublime, they also do some really interesting stuff with the animation itself, which I, I've not watched that many Trigger shows, but I do think that's a staple of Trigger generally, uh, being like making full use of, of animation. Um, so when, um, at the very beginning, when, when they first, when, uh, Yuda's first talking to Gridman, uh, and is like explaining to, to Rika what's happening, um, it's very, uh, Unless this is just my computer fucking up, but maybe it was. It's not. No, it's computer. not. Okay, yeah. it's like it was like exactly very choppy and like mm-hmm. you know just like you know disconnected in a very like interesting way to kind of convey like the futility of of explaining this kind of crazy thing to someone and 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 I, I really liked it a lot. And it comes up later, especially in the fluidity of movement, uh, like with a lot of stuff with a uh, samurai caliber, which we'll get into. But yeah, I think One this thing is a. That, um stuck Sorry. out to me animation wise in this episode is um there's like a physical gag of like somebody's sandwich being destroyed in the classroom and like the uh the way the characters are drawn in that shot looks like one of the gags um from kill a kill and i'm just like yeah you can definitely tell this is a trigger show but also the uh like little change in art style works really well for the physical comedy when it pops up in the show just wanted to shout that out no it's <laughs> a great really scene and it's stuff. it's literally just like a uh, a skit out of like Nietzsche Joe, <laughs> like yeah. Um, uh, I think this is like like we're all saying like a very funny show at times, but it's like almost entirely or like all the stuff that I laughed out loud at was like jokes conveyed through the animation and not just characters saying like jokey things to one another, and that's such a joy to see in uh, animation because like you know, like it's nice to take advantage of the medium in that way. And like, I think that stuff ends up being funnier than like one funny line that a character says to somebody or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuff just like pops up throughout the show. Um, and it also like, it doesn't like ruin the tone because like you can do a gag with the animation while like the, the story itself is still trying to be serious and it, and it work better than if you just had a character say like a, a very Marvel esque like quip in a time that doesn't seem appropriate. Yeah, um, look back to how much we were applauding uh, Penguin Drum for doing the same at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There was speaking of the that sandwich scene. Uh, so the sandwich is referred to as uh, the special dog, and because it's a like a hot dog with like an egg on top in like a bun. Um, and I was like, oh my god, are we gonna have another show with a throat goat in it? Because anytime there's a hot dog involved, I'm like, throat goat watch initialized. Uh, unfortunately, Yuta has very middling throat ability uh, in this. There's a different character later on who who does rise to the level of throat goat, but yeah, I did just do a a quick uh, control F in my notes for Glizzy, and I do have Glizzy Gulper <laughs> written down twice. 
We just we just keep picking these kinds of shows. Uh, this is like a sideline, but uh, <laughs> just watched a video where, <laughs> like a YouTube video, uh, somebody visiting New York, and he asked like a local, like, "Do y'all know what a glizzy is?" <laughs> and the New Yorker goes like, "Do I know what a glizzy is?" <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> um, but yes, I uh, literally in this episode, I have ah another <laughs> glizzy gulper has entered the ring. Um, <laughs> but you're right, his his form not very impressive. Um, another thing I'll shout out, um, that's apparent from this first episode is, uh, and again, this is something I think of when I think of trigger shows is the voice acting, um, specifically like the direction of the voice acting is really good. Um, like characters talk in a really like naturalistic kind of conversational way. They also talk like teenagers, um, and like shout outs to the fan subs we're watching, which are, this was like a joint between uh pas good job media and essentially um and they do a really good job of bringing the tone of that dialogue through into the subtitles um but i think the the voice acting really stands out like even as soon as this first episode um all the voice actors seem to be having a good time with it yes yeah, so i especially noticed it or at least first noticed it with a uh, samurai caliber who uh several times uh you know does like the it's not like a stutter, but like kind of like a unsure beginning, like where they, you know, their first word, they repeat the first syllable kind of thing. And that was translated really well into the subtitles. Um, I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's his thing. Like, that's how he talks most of the time because he's very uh, uh, shy and, and withdrawn. Um, yeah, it's just cool to have a show like this with, you know, like a predominantly like high school age cast and they, they talk like high schoolers <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking about... Uh, the journey of um, self-emulation I'm on right now watching Sea Destiny, uh, which is just a show filled with characters that don't talk like how old they are. Um, <laughs> nor do I think the show writers of that like are very aware of the age of the characters they're writing oftentimes. Not in like, problematic ways, in just ways it's like, this character should not be talking like this to this other character. But this is a show mm-hmm. that's like the opposite. It's like, you know, two characters have a back and forth and it feels very like... Um, in line with your expectations for for these characters um i just think it's good and it really like like with the really good shot shot composition throughout is like one of the things i'm just like constantly thinking about while i'm watching the show it's like man this shit is so good oh yeah no and i um uh, i have one note that just says gay gay lesbian homosexual uh which is when rika (laughs) is uh talking with her friends because they they have a great chemistry the entire time. Like anytime they're talking and they're like holding each other and it's very like cutesy and you know, they're always teasing each other about, uh, go, you're talking to this boy and da, 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 da. Um, and I don't know. It's like all the characters have a, a great chemistry, like you said, coming from the direction. And it just feels like teenagers, you know, teasing each other about boys at school. You know, it, it happens. <laughs> yeah. And you get like, again, through like the, voice acting and like the overall vocal direction and the animation you get like a really good sense of like who these characters are without them ever having to have a moment where they look at the camera and go this is this is who i am this is what my trauma is or this is what my deal is in the way that like a lot of anime does and that's fine that's like a melodramatic mode i like but this feels a little bit more like naturalistic um and i'll bring it up a few times but having watched Dinazanon before this is really interesting because that's a show that kind of swings even further in that direction in terms of like caring more about like the interiority of the characters and like really trying to 
depict its mostly high school aged cast as like being like real high schoolers dealing with real things. Um, and this show does that too. It's just a, maybe a little bit more um, bombastic than the Dinazanon is. But I think but like I enjoy this about both of these shows that they're like, you know, as much as they are like adaptations of like Toku and very clearly like, you know, in that genre, they're, they're trying to make space to do something completely else, which I incredibly respect. And like so far in these six episodes, they're really nailing. And uh, we're kind of, I mean, we're not like not discussing it, but uh, would we like to talk about uh, Gridman and the Kaiju and all that that entails as well? Yeah, Gridman's sick. Uh, he's he's skinny version in this one. He's not not at full power yet. Uh, but um, I think uh, yeah, Gridman's cool. Uh, very uh, you know the design. Uh, except for this episode, like the depowered version where he's like uh, mostly like purple and blue instead of red and blue. Um, it doesn't really show up in the uh, the live action show it's based off of. But um, like once he's powered up in the next episode, he he looks just like. He does just a little bit more like greebly, I guess. Um, uh, but I think the way he's animated rules because it is like a mix of like 3D animation and 2D, but the blend is really seamless and the 3D looks really good. Um, and they're able to do some really impressive uh, animation both with the 3D specifically and with the 2D specifically. Like, it's not like you're losing one for the other, or it's like, oh, they very clearly got a really talented 3D animator, but they had no idea how to make him move uh, in a cool way in 2D. It's like, no, they really kind of nailed it all around. Same with the Kaiju. Yeah, I, I really, the Kaiju gave me, because I mean, I think, you know, big man robot is like, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's easy to do, but like, it's, it's a very iconic, and I, I, I can picture that, you know, whatever. But like in terms of like toku like kaiju, I I have like a very like dis like for them especially because a lot of the times they're more rounded. I I have like an idea of a rubber suit in my brain, and for whatever reason I don't know. I like the the kaiju in this very much felt rubber suity in a very good way. Like it felt big and lumbering and destructive, and they show you the stakes up front really quickly when he. He doesn't just like, oh, he destroyed the school. No one was there, though. It's like, no, he. <laughs> they show him murdering people. I mean, I my thing with the uh, kaiju designs is like they feel very artificial, and like somebody made this, which is right, exactly. Uh, like literally, what happens in the show? <laughs> so yeah, it, like, exactly. Works very well. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like with the rubber suitiness of it, where it's like it feels manufactured and. Uh, one one little thing that I loved is uh when Gridman like cuts off. He cuts off his his head, uh, is where where I noticed it. Like the inside of him is like there's like wires and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It looked it looked almost like um, the old Windows pipes screensaver. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> I'm just like oh they they put the put the pipes in there. Um, but yeah no I they don't show how they're created um, explicitly in this. They just have a one off line of someone going instance ab reaction, which I had to write down. Mm -hmm. which is just classic toku shit of like say a two-word english activation phrase for something to happen like <laughs> it doesn't matter what those english words mean you just know like oh this is the thing you say when the the clay model kaiju that akane has becomes a uh, actual kaiju well and also uh when gridman is is doing his attacks he he has to call it his, his gridman beam or, or whatever the attacks are yeah which which is straight out of the straight out of the show 
the the grid beam which is basically like a version of the like ultraman beam uh and um uh oh god the other thing i was gonna say was um oh the so the thing that's interesting about him cutting open the kaiju in this episode and you seeing kind of like the computery wires inside is that um something i thought was really interesting both watching it this time and when i watched it for the first time is like the original Gridman is about like um three kids who build a computer in one of them's basement that they name junk and then one of the three kids goes inside of the computer to join with ultraman but they fight the monsters inside the computers is the thing in the original Gridman. Um, which we haven't watched the last six episodes yet. We'll, we'll see <laughs> where some of that stuff goes, but immediately as someone that like, you know, knows the premise of the original show, it's like, huh, they're not like fighting the monsters inside the computer this time, which again, puts some, you know, uh, skeptical question marks around that. We'll, we'll talk about some things in episode six, <laughs> but like, okay. Yeah. Okay. You've, you've, you've demystified. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I yeah, see. so there's definitely there's definitely something going on there, right? That you can you can still see the computer wire inside the monsters, even though they're fighting them in the quote unquote real world. Yeah, no, a lot of this was reminding me of um, a visual novel I was playing recently, but it's like one of those visual novels that um, nobody really says anything about in order to uh, you know because I think that novel works very well for like unraveling itself as it goes, but. Mm-hmm was getting a lot of uh 13 sentinels vibes this entire time oh okay sure. which is a very good thing we'll play 13 I sentinels you, i thought you were gonna say uh super heavy but i've not i've not uh read 13 sentinels yet i know some stuff about heavy. 13 sentinels because i'll probably never play it but um yeah <laughs> i can i can see that comparison um but it's just interesting that like knowing that about the original show really kind of like unlocks a piece of that early on for you that was like entirely in the back of my mind and then episode six happens and it's like oh okay i see what we're doing here um which was cool um but yeah that's kind of why the the wires and stuff um i guess are there because that also happens when he fights monsters in the the toku show um i mean going back to those abrupt cuts with the first conversation was really making um you know that kind of aspect of like the uh sort of unreality of it that's what that scene did more for me rather than like the uh Secretus talking about the weird computer guy but that was just me um knowing where the show goes mm-hmm. and that being like my second watch of the episode uh see i i had no idea i've i've now been spoiled my mind uh. <laughs> they like pretty explicitly tell you at the end of episode six like no well they don't they don't mention anything about any computer nonsense they i thought they were yeah, going that's... in a different direction that's definitely something you'd have to get by knowing the show. Uh, I agree. It definitely like six definitely like lays out a whole, uh, you know, new thing with the show that hasn't been directly addressed. But yeah, there's definitely like a few ways that that could go. But knowing mm-hmm. the original show kind of collapses that possibility space a bit. Uh, mm. I do got a shout out uh, that Utsumi is constantly, uh, even as early as this first episode going like, oh, this is just like the ultra series. Um, yeah because I yeah. compared him to the girl in uh Simpho gear being like why is this happening this isn't an anime yeah i find <laughs> this a lot funnier because like this is literally an ultraman show you know it's not just generic like oh this is just like a tokusatsu show like because it's a Subaraya produced show he could literally like invoke the name of ultraman and be like oh it's just like the ultra series um, oh are they and maybe the same person 
yeah, Subaraya um, produced the show and um, produced the original Gridman along with all the Ultraman stuff. Um, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Which is why also in this episode, uh, uh, one of the first shots we see of Akane, she's doing the finger thing with her hands, which is a reference to Alien Botan, which is a fairly famous kaiju from Ultraman. Um, which is also her, I, in a later episode we'll see, is her like uh, like SNS uh, like message icon. Um, <laughs> she gets teased. It's like, oh, Alien Botan. I didn't know girls were into that. It's like, oh, I just thought it was cute. I totally don't know that that's Alien Botan. <laughs> uh, like, damn, she's just like me. Um, but yeah, I, really good first episode. Um, I don't know if I have much else to say. I just wanted to say I was like, oh, you motherfuckers. When I noticed um, Rika's mom was wearing like a earring that reminded me of Midori from Space Patrol Luluco. And it's like, oh, they have the same VA. Of course they did. Oh, don't worry. I'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get the history lesson. I got, I got all that in my notes. Um, we're doing more voice actors. It is very fascinating the, the different experience you get from either rewatching the show in Danielle's case or uh, having the background on both, you know, the, the Tokusatsu and also just the other Toku shows. Because uh, I did not know. I was like, oh, that like alien her like phone icon is just going to be like a kaiju that she creates or something like that. I had no idea it was a reference to another show. So it's like, Oh, like I keep getting led down these like misdirect trails of like, Oh, that's going to be like some big thing. No, it's, it's just a, a cute little reference. Very interesting. Yeah. They're really taking advantage of the fact that, um, they can make all those references without anybody getting mad at them since they're, they're working with Subaraya directly. Um, and there, there's lots of little references too that, are like even more like hard to catch some of them. I didn't catch it first, but I, I, I looked some of them up and I'll, I'll note them when, when they come up. Um, but yeah, I guess the only other thing I have to say is, uh, for this one is, uh, we get another anime with good keyboard typing. It's not as good as, uh, uh, Terran resonance. Cause what is, but, um, pointed that out as well. All right. Um, unless anyone else gets anything, I have voice actors. Um, uh, so, uh, Starting off with small, so some of the voice actors that didn't show have lots of credits, uh, but these first two uh, are pretty quick. Uh, Hibiki Yuta, uh, main character, is voiced by uh, Hirose Yuya. Uh, he's Haruka in Idolish 7. He's Shun in Maidens of the Savage Season, which I've not seen, but I know people like. Uh, and he's, uh, this one's for me, he's Daichi in Cheer Danshi, the anime about uh, male cheerleaders, um, which is good. People should watch that show, if that sounds like something you'd be into. Um so he doesn't have a ton of credits. Uh, and then the other one to mention now is uh, Utsumi Sho is voiced by uh, Soma Saito, who should sound familiar because he is 12 in uh, Terran Resonance, which we just talked about. So you can go back to a previous episode to hear about him. Uh, but yeah, he shows up in the show as, as Utsumi. All right. Uh, episode two is called Restoration. Yuta and his friends discover, in addition to all the damage being undone, nobody remembers the kaiju attack or of those killed during the attack. Following their investigation and, uh, sorry, there's a weird grammatical error in this <laughs> Wikipedia description. I don't know what it's trying to say. Oh, okay. Following their investigation, <laughs> they reasoned that they're the only ones who can remember. Um, they're approached by a mysterious man named Samurai Caliber who optimizes junk so Rika and Utsumi can interact with Gridman. They continue to investigate the missing students and learn that everybody's memories uh, have been rewritten to believe that they all died uh, before reaching high school. Meanwhile, Yuta's classmate Akane Shinjo is revealed to be responsible for the kaiju attack through the aid of her mysterious benefactor, Alexis Carib, 
having used the kaiju Gulgilis to kill the students uh, for ruining her lunch. She proceeds to create uh, Devadadan, uh, sorry, <laughs> Devadadan to target her homeroom teacher uh, for not apologizing after bumping into her. Yuta once again refuses, or once again fuses with Gridman to fight the kaiju, uh, but finds himself outmatched. This prompts Caliber to leap into junk, transforming into a sword that Gridman uses to destroy the kaiju. Uh, the homeroom teacher survives the kaiju attack with the damage, uh, and everybody's memories reset soon after. Um, I love another dark-haired, uh, greasy anime boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Samurai Caliber's good. And just to double check, uh, Ghoul Gilas and Devadadan, mm -hmm. those words are not said. Are I don't they? believe so. Okay, I just want to make sure that I didn't miss something. Also, quick question, uh, quick sanity check for, for me. Um, junk, not the computer, but the store. Is it a cafe theme or a junk store themed cafe? I think it's like a, it's it's a cafe, but also a thrift store. You ever been to okay. those pawn shops that have like a food counter there? I'm assuming it's just like that. Unfortunately, I have I've not. Never, as I say, to answer your question, no, I've not. Not really pawn shops, but more like a, I've, I've seen stores like that before. Okay, okay. Because I was like, I was so thrown off in, like in a later episode, they're talking about like, oh, like when the rest of the squad, uh, the Neon Genesis squad show up, uh, the, um, they're like, oh, like I want a, a latte, I want a set, da 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 da. I'm like, the fuck are they talking about? This is a junk store. And then it, they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. I was losing my mind. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, mm. I like the running gag throughout uh, the show of, like, uh, Rika's mom constantly being like, okay, well, who's going to watch the shop or whatever? Um, <laughs> even though, like, they seemingly have no customers. They have one customer, I'm pretty sure, that besides, like, the Gridman Alliance and the neon genesis high school students which we'll, we'll get there uh if that if that sounds like hey why are you saying that we'll, we'll get there dear listener um but they have one uh, one non-guest and uh we'll we'll get to him in a second too i have some notes about that um but yeah um we get more uh akane in this episode i guess this is the first episode i believe we see her room which is like a bunch of display shelves with kaiju figures uh like stacked in them and then piles and piles and piles cannot overstate how many <laughs> garbage bags are in this <laughs> this trash monster's room i love her damn did she live like this <laughs> that was my note too yeah and she opens the door and like bags fall into the hallway and she just like kicks them aside and keeps going like oh what a little gremlin yeah it's it's good um i also uh appreciate her you know she's she's got the dual monitor set up she's like always got uh two chan open up on the one monitor uh just just live in the the fucking internet gremlin lifestyle and then again we'll talk about it episode six but of course it's like oh yeah this is trash monsters the god of this world <laughs> fine sure speaking of gremlin i'm ve i very much appreciate how gleeful she is about like oh i'm gonna go kill my teacher <laughs> Mm -hmm. she's just like smiling the entire time good for her good for her did so you make a note of who she's voice acted by we we, we talked about it last uh, episode but i did i did well okay. we'll get to it i won't i won't spoil it then um but yeah I, I knew uh she was the villain because at one point she's drinking tomato juice from a juice box which fucking gross dude um yeah i i uh, is, is very interesting um also very interesting is the uh I likened it to Corpse Party because it's a 
a game that I've played that did something similar, but there are, are a million things that are like this, I'm sure, um, where if you die in, like, one reality, everyone kind of forgets you except for, like, a select group of people. That's, a, that's something that's, like, a big thing in Corpse Party where anyone who dies in the, the haunted school, like, is forgotten about in real life and, you know, drives the characters crazy being like, you know, these people, this is my best friend and they don't exist anymore and so on and so forth. But I like that they kind of explore that and kind of not not in, like, an overdramatic way and not even really in an extensive way. But just, like, how you kind of deal with that knowledge and, like, you know, Rika getting mad at um, Itsumi and uh, Yuta for not being, like, as upset about it as she is. And they're like, no, we're just kind of in shock. And it's really, really well done. And, like, that kind of, like, horror that is unfolding to them. It's good. And it's it's cool that the show is, like, uh, happy to give so much time to that element of it. Um, mm-hmm. And that it takes it as seriously as, um, you know, you would think real people would take like hey my friend was here yesterday and now she's not and also nobody remembers her and that's really fucked up um i think that's cool and like i said yeah i like the um the uh, contrast between like oh shit all four of these people are dead and last episode what caused them to die was that gag we were all talking about last mm-hmm. episode. it's like damn <laughs> um but like i said it's interesting having seen Dinazanon, the show that came after this, because, like, I guess, like, something that, like, gets, like, jokingly brought up about a lot of Toku shows is, like, the amount of, like, citywide violence that will happen when, like, you know, Ultraman fights a monster or when, like, the Sentai form their uh, big mech and fight a monster and that, like, any idea of, like, a body count <laughs> never comes up. Um, uh, both of these shows seem to be interested in, in poking at that a little bit. Um, Dinazanon specifically, I think the way Dinazanon handles that stuff is like one of the most interesting parts of that show. Um, but um, this is another one too, where it's like, it's almost like the characters forgetting or, or forgetting that the people died or that they, they died earlier or whatever is kind of like, you know, washing over the, you know, the death toll from the previous episode in the same way that that kind of just innately happens as part of the genre for, like, a real tokusatsu show. I just think it's cool um, that the show's willing to, like, uh, give time to that stuff because I think it's interesting. Mm. Um, Shout-outs to the uh, <laughs> really dramatic um, uh, extreme close-up shots with, like, the, you know, fisheye lens effect on Akane <laughs> anytime someone, like, mm-hmm. basically anytime <laughs> someone touches her. <laughs> uh, like, the teacher bumps into her this episode and she's just like, all right, you're going to die for doing that. She squeezes mm-hmm. her tomato juice box. Didn't say sorry. Got to go. And uh, Samurai Caliber, God bless him. Uh, I thought he was going to be a villain because they do some, like, interesting cutting back and forth of, like, someone playing with a box cutter, which you find out to be Akane, but then... um uh, you know, and and Samurai Caliber is like shown to be like staring in the background, da da da, or whatever. Uh, but he's he's such a nice guy. Um, even though he's like Omega awkward. Um, like um, uh, Rika, I think at one point says she doesn't like soda or something. She doesn't like whatever drink is offered to her. So later, uh, Samurai Caliber gives her uh like barley tea, tea. which is very yeah, which is very sweet. Um. And he always runs into doors because he has, like, four swords on his back. So when mm-hmm. he goes through a door normally, he just bumps into it. Uh, he, he has so many little moments that I, I really dig. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, 
he showed up and my note is i love samurai caliber i love this loser um <laughs> and I, I like the the gag of like he's um he's got the bottle of uh, ramen a uh with the the bead uh or the marble in it <laughs> he's like shaking it and uh somebody goes like you're not gonna get that out just by shaking it you know and then by the end of the scene he's just taking his sword to it and cuts the bottle in half apparently mm-hmm. i didn't notice it in any of the previous episodes until i was like looking at trivia for the show uh apparently after that scene there's a bunch of little uh small shots of um yuta playing with the marble like throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the show supposedly <laughs> i didn't notice any of those but that's really there's also one yeah there's also one where um i don't remember what Yuta's doing in the background but uh the shot is like in it's in his room i think and it, like it's focused on yuta but like in the foreground there's a desk and there's like a little bead on it and, and it's the the bead from the the ramen uh it's a very sweet mm-hmm. little gesture i guess I also love um, Akane talking to uh, shit. What's his name? Alexis. Alexis. Yeah. How how Alexis the whole time is is just doing like the like Ojo-sama laugh. Like that's so wise of you. Like I don't know. Like something about him just so goofy. It's like oh that's so smart of you. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, Austin, you uh-huh. can answer this question for me. Yes. Is it just me, or is Alexis Kareeb a Gundam-ass name, if I've ever heard one? It is. It is definitely <laughs> a, a Gundam name in the same way that um, the character from the original Gridman that he's kind of based off of is also a Gundam name. His name is Khan Digifer, um, like the main <laughs> bad guy in, uh, in Gridman, um, which... The thing about Alexis uh, Carib is he's basically Con Digifer, but with like more of the face of like Inferno Cop um, or whatever the like uh, intergalactic police commissioner from uh, Space Patrol Luluko is, who also looks just like Inferno Cop. Um, <laughs> Trigger loved to <laughs> shoehorn that design into things, but it's just so funny to me. I'm like, this is just Con Digifer, but he's like more of a funny guy <laughs> and he looks like Inferno Cop, and that rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just the best. Um, uh, I love, uh, it's funny, I assume, Danielle, me and you both have notes about uh, Samurai Caliber reminding us of guys that turn into swords, uh, but mine is from Kamen Rider <laughs> uh, Saber. There's, there's a character that is literally just a living embodiment of a sword uh, in that show that made me go, oh, I love when that happens in a thing. Uh, but what was the thing oh, you were sorry, my, my guy didn't turn into a sword, he turns into a scythe, but it's uh, Maka's dad from uh, Soul Eater. Hmm. Yeah, who has like similar haircut and very similar dress, like with the dark suit with like a gray undershirt and a tie. Yeah, you posted the screenshot, and I was like trying to think of what Trigger show he could be from because I just assumed it was <laughs> it was Trigger doing a a classic. Oh, we like the design so much. We'll just do another show. I will say, comparing those two, I much I much appreciate the uh, massive bags under his eyes that a uh, Samurai Caliber has in comparison to the. Uh, soul eater character um yeah no uh, samurai is samurai is better yeah he's cool i love um you know kind of a staple of trigger stuff but i love that they're just like totally happy to have like kind of one to two dimensional characters like that but like they're just like so much fun that it doesn't you know like they they understand like oh this is a character that's like he's just got like four swords on his back and he's kind of a loner and he's just here to support the team (laughs) and it's like that that rules that's good um I guess that's also very toku in a way. Yeah, he has little character moments, like little nice things for other people, but he's never, so far at least, uh, like, this is my my cursed backstory. While you were having premarital sex, I was studying the blade and, you know, all this other shit. Like, 
No, he just kind of stands around, and anytime someone's like, all right, you need to go help Gridman, he's like, okay, sure. Like, he ne- he never agonizes over it. No one really agonizes over the fact that you have to fight in this, it, barring one thing uh, with anti. But, like, otherwise, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'll, yeah, we have to fight. I, I'm going to turn into a sword now. See ya. Like, it's it's great. The show has, like, a real good understanding of, like, who are the characters that need to, like, go through a character arc over the course of the show and who are the characters that are just like a function of uh the story right like all the neon genesis high school characters are not like not like they're like you're saying to have like these grand character moments they're there to like support the rest of the cast and it's like i feel like a lot of anime gets way too tempted to like oh but we just put this cool guy in our show he's got to have some cool backstory to him right or whatever he's got to have a traumatic Mm. thing going on it's like no he's, he's just a dude with four swords it's cool it kicks ass (laughs) <laughs> or they forget to characterize the main characters. So. Yes, exactly. Lisa. <clears throat> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> and uh, another facet of, of this episode, um, there's another kaiju. And, um, God, this, this the recontextualizing this is, as, like, a computer thing uh, really helps set a lot of things up because uh, Akane, like, really has um, almost like a... I don't know how to describe. I wouldn't call it a game developer like sort of thing, but like kind of like so in the first thing uh they use the the gridman beam and, and that destroys the kaiju and, and and you know whatever. Um in this one uh they try that but the it just kind of like deflects. So it's like as uh Akane's like uh watching these battles unfold, she's like, "Ah, I'm going to I'm going to do this other thing to try to like counter a strategy that they just it came that they came up with um very very from software where it's like oh you you got used to dodge rolling behind the boss well now the boss can spin around and hit you you know in a femtosecond or whatever um so in this case you know it deflects off the kaiju also starts shooting lasers that like just level buildings i love that design for for kaiju like in shin godzilla they do something similar where Godzilla's just firing laser beams that just cut across the city and like literally level it out. Um, so very interesting stuff going on with the kaiju in this, uh, and also setting up the principle that uh, Akane is just going to keep adding more and more features to these kaiju until they're unbeatable. It's like they're she's learning the process of of making these kaiju better and better as time goes on. Yeah, little did she know that a uh, uh, a cool anime man was going to turn into a giant sword and then the uh then gridman was gonna do the brave perspective pose which is like when he whips out the sword and the sword takes up like three-fourths of the screen in ultraman (laughs) gridman's in the other fourth of the screen it's a very like classic mecha anime pose um from the brave series of uh mecha show when i initially saw it i was like oh it's just like gundam seed because gundam seed also likes to deploy that pose a lot um, but it's it's from uh, Brave. I looked it up because I wasn't sure exactly uh, where it originated. It's originally from Brave X Kaiser, which I watched the uh, part of the first episode of that. That show seems fucking sick as hell. <laughs> it's now on my list of <laughs> '90s mecha to to check out. Um, but it's cool as hell when uh, Gridman does that in this one with giant gold sword. It's cool. Which he does. He does that every time he gets the sword. <laughs> it's not like, oh, this is the first time we're going to introduce it with this mega pose. It's like, no, every time he gets a sword, he does yeah, the same that, pose. It's that cool. You got to get your your mileage out of it. Hell yeah. Um, 
Uh, I also have a note that says, because Akade freaks out. She's like, oh, he's got weapons. I said, damn, he a robot and he got weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a new color scheme. Yeah, I had a new color scheme. He's fully powered up after uh, uh, Samurai Caliber, like, fixes the computer or whatever. Um, so he's, he's his classic red, blue, and uh, silvery white color scheme. Um, really sick uh, ending pose in this one as well with, like, the flames in the background. Uh striking like a hero pose it's it's good shit the the show is just cool as hell um again this is part of the reason why i have so many screenshots in it but it's just like you just see so many like shots in this and you're like that is just fucking cool <laughs> capital c cool um and it rolls that the rest of the show is like good it's not just like a. It, it's not just hitting the 12 year old part of my brain that igpx was also hitting like there's there's a lot going on too um it's probably a good part to ask because the the ending song is not in the first episode uh what do we feel how do we feel about the uh opening and the uh ending of the show ending is gay as hell it is it's a shame the rest of the show is not nearly as gay <laughs> i mean there's moments mm. but like it could straight out straight up being an, an ending on a uh you know theory romance show is that's how fucking gay it is yeah i mean the way i read it is uh uh trigger clearly knew that they were Yuri baiting a bunch of people. <laughs> like that trainer constantly does that. Yeah. <laughs> like look at Little Witch, look at Kill a Kill. But it's like it's just so egregious to me in a way that's like mostly just funny more than anything else because it's like like you're saying, like, yeah, it's like the the ending to a completely different show. <laughs> um and like yeah, the those two characters have some good moments uh together. Um but so far my Yuri goggles are firmly on, and I am ignoring evidence to the contrary. Yeah, fair, fair <laughs> enough. It just kind of robs the, a little bit of the, uh, uh, I guess, enjoyment of that when it just comes across so like, oh yeah, you're <laughs> you're doing this specifically to Yuri bait people. Like, it's not like, a, oh, we're gonna yeah. do this with these characters. It's like, no, this is this is just to drive up a certain type of fan engagement. Um, uh, if if you want to get something queer out of it, you need to like put forth your own energy to get the, mm-hmm. to get it out of the show. It's yeah, classic trigger shit. <laughs> yeah, use your energy. Go to Dynasty scans, and there it is. I mean, I have Dynasty scans tabs up of some of the anthologies. I have the Pixiv ship tag up in a tab right now. Like I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fine. <laughs> it's the proper way to engage with any show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly just more one over on uh, Akade being, uh, you know, a trash queen um, mm. than I am with anything else um, uh, with her and Enrica. Um, I also really like the uh, the opening. Um, I think it's, uh, like, really um, well composed. There's lots of really good, like, hooks, um, uh, like, on the piano in that, um, uh, like, some fun licks and stuff. And it's just, like, a very... Um, uh i wouldn't say it's like derivative of any like toku opening thing songs but it feels like if that played before like a live action toku show i would be like yeah this makes sense it's like i guess it's maybe like someone wrote a toku theme uh opening thing and then just like cranked the anime dial up to like 11 you know um but the the dna of like a, a toku theme is is in there um that's fun. My thing with the opening is the first few notes of it make me think of um, Bulls on Parade for whatever fucking reason, and I can't get that out of my head every time it comes on. Oh, I don't... I, it's driving me insane. I fortunately don't get that, but maybe I will. I watched the last six. Um, uh, 
and I was I was happy I liked it because I did not like the opening for Dinazanon. Um, that was one where like the production on that bothered me in a weird way that I could never put my finger on. Um, I think it's the fucking like weird synth trills in that. I, anyway, um, and also the the ending theme for this one is um, uh, done by the same singer who did the ending for Dinazanon, which is also very good. Um, also wrote these things down because like I was like her voice sounds so familiar, and the thing I was recognizing was. Uh, Dinazanon. But apparently uh, the singer is uh, Maya Uchida. Uh, she did the opening for uh, this is for you, Danielle, uh, Gonna Be the Twin Tales. Um, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, this one's for me. She did one of the uh, endings uh, to um, Ace of the Diamond Act 2, which is good, uh, that particular ending. Uh, and she's also apparently like a voice actor. Uh, she doesn't voice anybody in this, but she has a bunch of voice acting credits. Um, I think that's all I got for this one. Y'all got anything else? All right. Well, another voice actor. Uh, this time it's for uh, Rika Takarada, who is voiced by Yume uh, Miyata, Miyamoto. Sorry, she is uh, uh, Nonaka Haru in Sing Yesterday for Me, um, which is a fairly recent anime. Uh, she is um, uh, Amatsuka Megumi in uh, Jijebu. Um, she is uh, Kamino Mei in Godzilla SP, which I immediately pegged her for. Um, Megumi is the pink one, right? Yes. I just made a tweet about Chichibu the other day being like, damn, would have been so good if it was gay. Yeah, I saw that and I was <laughs> I like, okay. The characters names I saw that and I was like, oh, you're going to appreciate my notes. Um, but yeah, she's she's um, kind of the main character in Godzilla SP, which is a show that I'll say if you if you like Gridman, you'll probably like Godzilla SP, but definitely if you like Toku stuff and you like Godzilla stuff, you should definitely watch Godzilla SP. That's like a uh, Toku slash Kaiju nerds delight uh, kind of show. Um, and uh, Yume Miyamoto is also uh, Kazumi uh, Mahiro in um, uh, Aikatsu Stars. That one's for me. Um, love Aikatsu. All right. Uh, next up is episode three, which is just called Defeat. Uh, Akane creates a new kaiju named Anti, uh, who is intelligent and can take human form and has him attack the city to draw Gridman out. Yuta fuses with Gridman, but is defeated with Calibers, or even with Calibers' assistance, and the day, uh, with the day resetting. Afterwards, Yuta does not reappear, leading Rika and Utsumi to fear that he is dead, but they are too afraid uh, to try to contact him to confirm it. Uh, while Akane celebrates her apparent victory, three strangers arrive at the shop looking for Caliber and Gridman and point out the hypocrisy of Rika and Utsumi refusing to contact Yuta if they are so concerned. Rika then finally works up the courage to call Yuta, and it is revealed that he, Caliber, and Gridman were just in hiding in hopes of ambushing Ante. Gridman then appears and successfully draws Ante out. One of the strangers named Max enters uh, Junk and combines with Gridman to form Max Gridman, Max Gridman and Anti then fight to a draw, uh, with both running out of energy. Uh, afterwards, Gridman introduces Caliber and his comrades uh, as his allies, the, quote, Neon Genesis Junior High students, uh, while Akane rejects Anti for his failure. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> any of the other uh, Ava references weren't clear at this point. <laughs> um, they are now. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know if by the end of the show we'll know if there's a specific reason why they're called that um but honestly i don't need it <laughs> it's just funny to me that, oh absolutely not <laughs> that they're just called uh the neon genesis junior high student of course <laughs> um i guess in this episode we get to see that uh akane is a terrible mom <laughs> just absolutely terrible 
And oh what yeah, way? with anti. <laughs> oh, anti! You didn't do the thing I told you to, and then she just throws the food she bought for him at his face. Yeah, and I don't know if it's this episode or just another one, but mom. at some point she'll throw a, her phone in his face. <laughs> um, Several times, yeah. I only knew this because I was looking up voice actors, but uh, because he looks completely different in Dinazanon, but Anti does show up in Dinazanon. He's one of the few characters in the show that, that shows up there, huh. um, which was interesting to kind of see where he came from because he also, it, it makes his appearance in that show make more sense because he just kind of shows up uh, and they say his name or whatever. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> uh, and they, they, don't, they don't spend any time in Dinazanon being like, oh, this is like who I was in Gridman. This is my whole thing. It's just like, no, I'm, I'm here now. I'm part of this plot. Um, uh, but I think Auntie's fun. Right. I love that he like eats face first into everything because he's literally a monster. <laughs> yeah, I, I labeled him as the throat goat of the series. Uh, he's just such a little goblin. I love it. Like People frequently reference how stinky he is. <laughs> Yeah, that and um, other characters as well. <laughs> just they get real close and they're like, "Oh, you stink!" Uh oh, stinky. <laughs> uh oh, poopy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we get more because I don't know that it was made explicit in the last episode, or or maybe it was. I don't know that the reason she killed the people was specifically because they uh uh hit hit the sam. Oh, okay, maybe it was. Uh. Akane being like, oh, uh, or Kane, I don't know what you're saying wrong. Um, killing the, the students for ruining the lunch. Um, but I just love how little the threshold is for her to make a kaiju to kill you. <laughs> like in this case, oh, uh, uh, you, 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 uh, like you did some, what, what, did, what was the, was this one that they, oh no, I'm fucked up. Sorry. I was thinking of the homeroom teacher. I was like, wait, is this the one with the homeroom teacher? No. Because I have a note saying that I just love that uh, Akane is a, a, a girl who hates bad manners and loves tokusatsu, and therefore she's just going to cause all the problems in the world. She's such a yeah, deranged she, queen. She kind of reminds you of that kid in uh, the uh, Twilight Zone episode, It's a Good Life. The one that just, oh. like, oh, everyone needs to, like, bend to this kid's will, or he turns them into, like, a jack-in-the-box or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God, that's a, that's a really good, yeah. Um... Yeah, no. Everything, everything about her is is just a, a hoot, um, which they expand on more and more. Um, which I'm glad. I'm glad they don't just like have her be this one dimensional. I'm an evil character in the background. Like she's constantly interacting with the main cast in like positive ways. Yeah, and it's also like you know we get a fairly like omniscient viewpoint of like what she's doing it's not like a question of like oh how is she making the monsters who's who's she secretly working with like from episode one we see her talking with uh, alexis and making the kaiju um mm-hmm. uh, i love the scene where uh she um uh tells auntie to attack uh in this one they're like in class and it's like raining outside <laughs> she like pulls out her phone stealthily and like over the phone just whispers do it go wild <laughs> and then he turns into uh, his kaiju form which is also sick by the way um i love his design um and he just like uh gets big and then starts walking straight for the school and everybody's like there's like a log zoom in on him and everybody's like yo what the fuck let's get out of here um just extremely good and also like akade like everybody being terrified but akade looking out the the window and being like oh that's my boy he's so big <laughs> Well, and then uh, <laughs> Samurai, like, smashes through a window and, and grabs uh, mm-hmm. 
Yuta and uh, Utsumi and uh, later grabs uh, Rika. Um, but like, yeah, him just like jumping in, grabbing everyone, and then jumping out again, and then just like hopping from rooftop to rooftop, which like they don't have to talk about whether oh he has these magic powers that let him float in midair. No, he just he just jumps really high and has four swords. That's all you really need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did make a note of this because it stood out to me as as weird, and we've had other shows where the uh, lesson being taught in the classroom was weirdly important but the the teacher is talking about marginal man theory uh which is like a similar concept to like uh uh du bois's double consciousness if that means anything to anybody it's not worth getting into because i don't know if it'll eventually like pay off in some weird way but i was like anime needs to stop it with like <laughs> whatever weird background lessons are going on and just make it be math like just have it be like well, that's, why that's is not just an anime thing, thing. Every Hollywood movie that stars a professor does the same fucking thing. I guess, but the when it's in anime, it's just like when I see it in anime, it's like, why is this being taught in this high school? Like, why why is this teacher talking about marginal man theory? <laughs> uh, incredibly strange. It's like this fucking in the Persona games. It's like, oh yeah, we're having these lessons that are very relevant to everything yeah. going on, and mm-hmm. you get smarter if you answer the questions correctly. Yeah, exactly. I guess if anything, it's like. You know, because marginal man theory is, you know, about, like, having to, like, again, like, double consciousness, like, having to navigate, like, essentially, like, two different, like, sociological personas. Uh, and so I guess it could be, like, you know, like, an, a dumb throwaway about, like, anti being, like, both, like, a, a little boy and also big kaiju. Uh, but who knows? I just thought it was just, funny. Just have them, anything. have them teach Oedipus. Yes, that's the only time it's good <laughs> when it's about finding the locations of bombs uh, through the the story of Oedipus. Uh, God, you mentioning uh, or Danielle mentioning a uh, professor. I kept getting fucked up in the subtitles that they were translating sensei as professor. I was like, okay, I mean, I guess, but not really. I hated that. Um, there was also a point where after their fight and Gridman's defeated, uh, Rika and Utsumi are. are arguing with each other i think i think it's the, the them too and like i don't know i don't know what he said i can't remember but in the trans in the subtitles he's like saying like like god it's not it's like this is such fucking bullshit like something like really profanity laced which is like really out of nowhere and it made me think of the the pro zd uh, skit where he's like you know the official translations are like sasuke you are my brother and then the fan subs are like Fuck you, Sasuke. Orawa, my brother, or whatever. Like, it was it was very out of place. Like how fucking profanity laced uh, that one scene was. But yeah, there were occasionally points where I was like, these subtitles are very strange. Like, really aggressive. I think they're good. I haven't been bothered by by any of that thus far. Um, I will definitely take that over uh, it being overly literal uh, any day of the week. Oh yeah, no, that's that's fine. It's just like I don't know. It's just like. The, the profanity thing was one thing, because at least in that case, like, he was really angry or whatever. Uh, it's just, it, like, it was it was enough to be like, wait a minute, <laughs> was he actually, like, doing the equivalent of swearing like this? Because uh, it made me think of the, the pro ZD skit. Yeah. Well, it's always a hard thing to, like, gauge how to translate, because, like, cursing mm-hmm. doesn't work at all the same in yeah. Japanese as it does in English. So you you kind of have to make the call when you do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll usually, like, applaud them making the call rather than just keeping it like toned down and at the end of the day, like boring. Um, mm-hmm. 
Got to shout out uh, Akane for after uh, uh, Auntie beats Gridman. She like climbs on his head and just like basking in the the sun as it breaks through the clouds. Uh, it's very good. And then and get, like the cut between like the demolished city and then everything put back together. Does he? Does she take him to uh, All You Can Eat Buffet? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I want to make sure that's that's this episode because uh, that's a lot of his reward is is food and boy howdy does he eat. Yeah, he does. Um. There's an interesting moment uh, when, um, like, after uh, Rika and Utsumi think that, like, Gridman and Yuta are dead, they're, like, walking along the street, uh, and there's somebody on the street, like, drawing in chalk, like a giant monster attacking the city. It was just, like, a weird moment of, like, are, oh, are there other people that can, like, remember or, like, vaguely remember? Um, oh, I didn't just know like so. a, oh, Yeah, it's, like, a really, like, brief moment. Was, I, I took a screenshot of it. It was like, oh, that's interesting. But um, So, yeah, the... Uh, Anti defeats Gridman, uh, Gridman, Yuta, and Caliber, uh, and, you know, Utsume, Utsume and, um, Rika are like, uh, like, you know, I don't want to know, I don't want to, like, confirm that they're dead. Like, that would be, like, too difficult for us or whatever. And then, uh, the Neon Genesis crew show up and are like, you didn't, why didn't, if, if they're your friends, why are you, because I think when they show up, uh utsumi's like oh are they okay and they're like they're your friends why have why are you asking us why don't you just ask them uh and they they think to, to to call them and they're like oh yeah we were just you know vibing waiting to ambush anti or, or anti whatever um but i do love that they actually like brought up that point of like <laughs> could have just called them and, and you know see what happens but uh and then they they finally come back and this is the point where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Shira uh, Sigisu does the, the music for this. Because on the second one, especially, like, I got very big uh, Ava, Shin Godzilla, etc. cetera, uh, vibes in the music. Like, the timpani doing a very, like, March-like thing. Um, and then we get to see the gun tank. <laughs> which the... uh, is Max... Yeah, the the max. We skipped over something um, which I liked a lot. Um, so part of the thing with the cell phone or like the phone call is um, uh, earlier in the episode, like Rika's not at school. She like runs into Anti, not knowing he's like a kaiju, and like feeds him her lunch or whatever. Uh, and so Yuta calls her like to wonder where she is, and she like sees that he's calling but doesn't pick up. And so when she thinks Yuta's dead, she feels really bad about that. Uh, like a very like teenagery kind of thing again that we were talking about earlier like it feels very realistic to the age of the students that like or the characters that like she's like really torn up about the fact that she like ignored a phone call from him uh mm-hmm. and so that kind of makes sense why the like oh why did you just call him it's because like oh well because i was already kind of hung up about like how i didn't answer him before and like in my feelings about it but i really like the argument that riku and uh utsumi have um before the neon genesis students um barge in because it does like feel very like teenagery and like a kind of uh over dramatic kind of way um of just like they're like they're clearly both feeling really bad about the fact that they think their friend is dead uh and don't know what to do about it um uh and so they're just taking it out on each other like nothing that they're saying is like necessarily wrong or whatever about the situation they're just like being overly mean to each other because they can't like process how they feel or they're afraid to process how they feel and then that's when the neon uh genesis students barge in i just thought it was a really good scene in terms of like the the dialogue and the voice acting and to kind of mm-hmm. uh talk more about the how good i think some of the 
um, shot composition is in the show, um, part of that scene is uh, kind of storyboarded as um, uh, like two um, mirrors in the junk shop where we see um, Rika with her uh, back to Utsumi and Utsumi with his back to her kind of framed in the two different mirrors. And it's just like a really like um, evocative shot to kind of frame it on. Um, a lot of the show in that way reminds me of Evangelion in terms of like, you know, Ava is a show that like understands that like if you can create really um, affecting like visual composition, it doesn't matter if you don't animate a lot in the frame um, because people are going to be more brought in by how the, the scene is framed. Um, and like this is a show that's like really bombastic at times, but like understands that like you could do a whole lot with a little if like you pay a lot of attention to detail um with how you compose your shots um mm-hmm. and i i love that kind of shit yeah and there's also an interesting little point um i think it's right before the scene that you're talking about uh where um rika's mom comes out into like the 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 lobby of the of the store and rika's been sitting in front of junk for like the entire night like she just can't move um so it's very you know her mom's like you know, clearly you're upset about something but like, isn't gonna force the issue. So she's like, "Oh, breakfast is ready whenever you want it," kind of thing. Um, I really like that kind of little characterization where she's giving her daughter room to figure out her life without being like, you know, uh, you know, like at first she's like, "Oh, you can't, you can't, you can't sleep out here. <laughs> you know, you should sleep in your bed." Uh, but then like as soon as she realizes that Rika's really upset, she you know cuts back and says like, "Hey, you know, breakfast is ready when you want it," kind of thing. Yeah, I also really like. Um that scene because like by the end of it um they've like switched perspective to kind of like the far corner of the shot of the the shop so you see more of it and then you see utsumi has also like kind of like holed up in there overnight and he's like like hiding behind like a cardboard box or whatever as um uh rika's mom talks to her um thought that was good too that even like after their whole argument they're still both just like really torn up about it and like irreconcilable um Mm -hmm. also rika's mom's real good both that she's like a funny character but like you're saying like kind of has like really good mom yeah like has like really good like emotional awareness um in that way good to have a good mom for a change (laughs) yeah especially after last uh last show we watched (laughs) yeah yeah i um this might be just me reading things my way but um this was the episode where i was like you know what i like I feel like Rika really is the, uh, like, emotional core of the show. Other, like, instead of the two boys, it's like, hey, that's, like, kind of nice, actually. I, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so far, like, these first three episodes and even these first six episodes um, are, like, you know, Yuta and Utsumi really are kind of bought in on the Gridman Alliance stuff from the jump, and, and it's really, like, Rika's the one that's still kind of, like, unpacking how she feels about everything throughout the course of these episodes. Which is nice to one, like, kind of isolate that all in one character, um, uh, but also to, like, you know, like you're saying, compared to other shows we've watched, like, give uh, give one of the female characters in the show a lot more, like, narrative weight uh, than anime can at times. Uh, and then they do another fight, and then Gridman shoots a giant energy beam and uh, anti-fires one back, because, oh, almost like anti's copying uh, Gridman's abilities, which we'll see in a later episode. Um, which... I also hope that uh, they they just keep adding more adjectives to Gridman. Like I want like Max Hyper Omega Caliber Gridman. 
Mm-hmm. Every time there's a new one, they they add another name to them. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, because in the original Gridman show, like he also gets like kind of like upgrades like that. They're different than the ones mm-hmm. that are in the show. But I think that's I think also by the end of that show it's just like oh he's got like a whole suit of armor on him basically so i'm, I'm waiting for that <laughs> to happen uh they try to do that and i think then is it this episode or the next episode no it's the tr- next one yeah where they try to like combine uh have all the neon genesis dudes combine all at once and it like overloads junk um <laughs> which is funny uh, but i guess we'll get to that um yeah this was a good episode um do we have anything else uh, one more thing on anti, anti, whatever. Um, you know, he gets rejected by Akane at the end, uh, and that becomes a, a one second, hold over sound. Okay. Um, it becomes like a recurring theme of him, like not like losing allegiance to her. Like he keeps trying to regain her approval, but also he's less concerned about her and more about destroying Gridman. Uh, but then also his interactions with um, uh, Rika seem to start kind of shaping him in, in different directions that I don't know if it's going to pay off at all, but we'll see. Um, so he's very, this is like the, the his, I, I wrote down his, his Joker arc, uh, but his like breaking with the script that was assigned to him, I think. All right. Um, well, another voice actor, uh, as promised, here's uh, Shinjo Akane, uh, who is voiced by Ueda Reina. Um save the one you were thinking of Danny for last uh, <laughs> um, and I think I mentioned in the the last uh, well I guess I'll kind of uh, we'll get to it we'll get to it <laughs> um, uh, Rana, uh voices um, uh, Siri Kanano Kanao in Demon Slayer I don't watch that but people do uh, Hideyoshi in Tokyo Ghoul uh, Hoshino Miyako in um, uh, Wataten um, uh, Mao oh god Wataten mm-hmm. yep uh uh, she's Mao in Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, uh, Gigi in Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway's Flash. Uh, she's the pretty lady with high fashion sense. Uh, I'm sure that'll mean something to people. If they've <laughs> if you've seen her design, you know what I'm talking about. Um, she's Hackadoll number four in Hackadoll. Um, this one's for me. She's uh, Jululu. <laughs> and also me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean... Don't exclude me from that No, one. I meant this next one is for me. Definitely just for me. Um, that one was for you. Uh, more so than me. Uh, she is also Jululu in Prepara. That one's for me. Um, and then uh, this one's for Danny. Uh, she was Shibazaki's daughter in Terran Resonance, which we just finished watching. Which I mentioned last time that like, oh, I don't really have more voice actors. Um, this was the only one that I looked at. I was like, oh, I should mention her. But then I saw that she was in uh, Gridman. I was like, ah, I'll save her for Gridman. Um, but then I forgot that when I <laughs> when I was like, oh yeah, no, none of the voice actors were anything uh, important. It's like, oh, actually, uh, I also noticed she voices one of the characters in my dumb gotcha game. Oh no, <laughs> so that was important to me. Which which dumb gotcha game? Uh, Ganyu from Genshin Impact. Oh okay, the the sheep. The Who she- you've definitely seen the VT I've definitely retweeted also art of as well. She's the sheep, right? Yeah, the, the goat. goat. Same difference. Goat, sheep. They're the same. This is the hill I will die on. All right. Uh, episode four is called Suspicion. 
Uh, Akane suspects Gridman. Uh, oh, that's why it's called that. Oh my god. Uh, Akane suspects Gridman to be Yuta, but has no proof, so she approaches Rika. When Rika's friends convince her to come with them on a group outing with Arcadia, a four-man internet personality group, Akane tags along. Uh, but the trip proves to be a waste of time, with Akane creating a kaiju to kill Arcadia after Anti refuses, uh, since his sole purpose is to defeat Gridman. Meanwhile, Yuta is concerned by Rika hanging out with other boys, causing him to realize he has a crush on her. The next day, Rika notices three Arcadia members have been killed by a kaiju and attempts to warn the last member uh, as the kaiju attacks. Gridman appears to battle it, but Anti appears as well, turning it into a three-ray battle. The entire Neon Genesis Junior High School uh, team try to transform at once, but Junk is unable to handle the strain. Thus, they decide to stick to one combination and use Max Gridman to defeat the kaiju, while Ante runs out of energy again. Uh, the next day, Rika wonders uh, if she is the cause of the kaiju attacks, since they always seem to be uh, appearing near her. So yes, this is the episode where they all try to uh, got tie at once and overload uh, the CPU, which I love the effect where like Gridman gets like like interlaced and like static mm-hmm. and freezes. It's very funny. Yeah, no, uh, very interesting use of the the medium. That I mean, I guess you could probably do it with the real life Toku show, but you know, it hits different uh, in this case. Um, it definitely feels like a cool like like maybe intentional, maybe unintentional callback. Because like I said earlier, Gridman is like one of the first Toku shows of that time to really take advantage of like digital compositing and digital effects. And it feels like, oh, uh, like maybe I'll watch more of Gridman because I am slowly going through that now. Um, maybe I'll watch more of the original Gridman and um, see them do a similar effect. But it very much feels like, a oh, this is like the kind of effect that they might have done in the original Gridman. Though it wouldn't have looked as nice because it, it doesn't like look bad. Um, it's just like, you know... Uh, like a fun way to to show that happening. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah the the date is a really weird setup. I, I you know group dates are like a thing, but it's very strange because they say that Arcadia are like college students and these are like high schoolers. It's very strange. <laughs> like especially later, um, yeah, in this episode, I think uh, maybe next episode. I don't know. Um, like one of them asks Rika if she wants to go somewhere, like implying to be like a love hotel. I'm like you. Like, is that is that like a a thing? I don't know. Like, I was I was skeeved out by Arcadia, so I'm I'm glad of of their fate at the end of it. But yeah, I think I think it's meant to be <laughs> meant to be skeevy. I was also like having all the red flags yeah. and be like, please, someone in this friend group like recognize that <laughs> vastly inappropriate. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's 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 okay. Akane kills most of them at least. You know, I mean. The thing I was mostly paying attention to this scene is there's a lot of shots where it's Akane and Rika together and the other six of them together. Like, they're very clearly, like, separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just sent a pic- uh, two pictures that I took watching to y'all, but it's like, it's definitely there that, like, I'm not reading into it too far. Oh, there's yeah. definitely, Trigger is definitely putting some of the stuff in there. Well, is it is it Akane who uh, invites Rika? Other way around, or, or like Akane like around. invites herself, um, and then the other two girls are friends with Rika, so they invite her, and then Akane uh, overhears that and kind of invites herself. They're like, "Oh, well, there's four guys. You're going to need a fourth girl." Uh, gotcha. Yeah. But it very much seems like she's doing that so she has an excuse to spend time with. Rika. Oh, oh, sure, absolutely. I, I couldn't remember because yeah. they also have the scene at the beginning where I made a note of uh, move over trains. Now we have bus scenes where characters will communicate with each other. 
uh, and which I got a uh, egg on my face uh, come episode <laughs> six. But um, <laughs> I, I love the trope. Uh, it happens in Hannibal, which I've been rewatching uh, lately, but also in this where one character says like the most ominous shit ever, like indisputably evil shit. And the other person will be like, what? And they'll go, oh, just kidding. I'm, yeah, I'm just, you know, thinking out loud. And, and the other character's like, oh, okay, never mind then. It's like, I can't remember what exactly uh, uh, Akane says, but it's just like every red flag known to man. And she's like, oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah, I think she like mutters something under her breath about one of the guys. And the guy's is like, oh, what did you say? And she's like, oh, nothing, nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is where we get the, one of the guys goes, oh, is that? is your, your profile pick uh, alien Bolton? And she's like, Oh, uh, I don't know what that is or whatever. <laughs> I have a note. That's just, <laughs> is that alien Bolton? Of course that, of course that's alien Bolton. You fucking tool. <laughs> um, which, which would have been my response if I was Akane. Um, I also have a similar note or, or in vain of your notes, uh, Danielle, which is uh, Akane is aggressively heterophobic in this episode. We stand. <laughs> yeah. Good for yeah. her. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that stuff too, but it's also like, um, again, very clearly like bait, um, and which is fine. You know, I don't, I don't mean that as much of a negative as it probably sounds, but it's that's definitely what it is. Um, and it's also like they're separated out in that scene because one, they're like the two main characters, and also neither of them like really wants to be there. Rika's being drug along by her friends, and um, Akane's there specifically to chat with Rika because she thinks Yuta's uh, Gridman in some way. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely reading into it being more queer than it is. I fully acknowledge that, but I'm enjoying the show more doing it, so <laughs> I'm not going to stop. But um, the thing that really, like, makes it explicit that it's not queer is you to being like, oh, I like I like doing, like, like the typical amnesiac thing. It's like, oh, the first girl that was nice to me, I want her to be my girlfriend, <laughs> and then stalks her. I was going like, to say, that's damn. that's the elephant in the room. Uh, that uh... Yeah, like, those boys are absolutely, like, skeevy as hell but also not a fan of uh the boy the uh, other boys uh stalking rika not not great yeah mm -hmm. not a fan yeah it's like yuta and uh utsumi uh look better by comparison to the older college boys uh 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 taking advantage of high school girls but still not great i do love though that like the neon genesis kids are like tagging along with them though but they're just like doing anything but like spying on them, like they're in the bakery, uh, as like Utsumi and Yuta look out the window, and they're just like like piling up plates of bread. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. um, they're very fun. Uh, for the same way that we talked about uh, Samurai Caliber being fun, where they're just like they're like they're characters, but they're like they clearly have a function in the story. They don't need to like you know be more involved in the plot than they're there to be involved with. And so when they're on screen, they're just like there to be like fun, I guess. Um, I also love all the designs. I love Max's big, like, uh, like mouth thing, whatever he's got going on. And um, all the suits are very good, uh, very stylish. And I do want to say, to be fair to uh, Yuta and Utsume, this is like a, it's almost like out of character for them to be doing this stalking shit. Like, they don't do anything like super skeevy earlier in the series or even after in the series. Like, you know, in in the next episode where they go on a a field trip and everyone's like in bikinis or you know swim swimwear, uh, they they don't do any sort of like. I mean, the camera does one leering shot that I didn't love, but like 
the character. Oh, it's definitely more mm-hmm. than one. <laughs> well, yeah, well, sure, yeah. I was thinking of one at the very beginning, but um, uh, the characters themselves aren't like being like ooga ooga eyes pop out or anything like that. Um, so it's weird that that like that's the framing of this episode is that they're being like weird stalker dudes. Um, but mm. yeah. And- Utsumi's whole thing is especially weird because he's like clearly got a thing for Akane, but it's in this weird way of like he sees her as this like perfect goddess and how how could she possibly be interested in these guys kind of thing. She's too perfect for them or for anybody, especially me. It's it's like it's really weird stuff, though. I do appreciate mm-hmm. that as soon as um, Akane goes home early because she's disgusted by the men, uh, Utsumi's immediately like. Yeah, you're on your own, Utah. I'm I'm done stalking for today. <laughs> like, just <laughs> yeah. like, wow, you're a real friend, it's me. And then and then Utah gets a a a nice moment with um Max, where Max is just kind of like, <laughs> you know, you like stop being a creep, just like tell her how you feel, kind of thing. Yeah, I love anytime uh like the the Neon Genesis characters are like clearly like intrigued by them, but not in a way where they're like gonna get directly involved where they're just like gonna offer like advice like that or just like more often than not they like see something happen like relationship wise between them and they're like mm, very interesting <laughs> that's all they have to say mm-hmm. it's good um uh i gotta you know, put on my reporting hat um we've got a, a confirmed foot freak on the staff of the show um we get we get a real 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 tight close-up on akane's feet as she takes off her stockings and i'm just like well you know, somebody on the on the staff was really into <laughs> into like probably volunteered to do that that shot. Um, but oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, I had a mental note of that because uh, it it feels like really graphic. Like it feels like like I thought like is she like taking off her like because I mean she's wearing a, a a skirt I think still. Um, but I was like, what the fuck is she just getting naked? <laughs> I was like, Ugh. yeah, they make a really weird like cl- clearly horny involved uh <laughs> decision um of every time akane comes home to her her trash room she like immediately takes off um uh like her stockings or whatever um mm-hmm. and just like a really weird like attention to detail thing of like all right calm down chill and this was like the most it was like okay calm down chill please <laughs> because they just like zoom in on her foot and it's like okay it's fine like it's it's okay to like feet but like chill she's a high schooler um, yeah, and I had like a thought of maybe they're trying to do like a you know in public she wears the stockings because like it's you know like it's almost like a public face versus like private face kind of thing like even when she gets home she's being the little gremlin who's you know making these kaiju it's just really weird to frame it around removing clothing <laughs> it's like oh when she gets home she doesn't care about her appearances anymore she'll just you know be super comfy but it's like again I mean mm, you can frame that around clothing it's just non-creepy ways to do it right exactly yeah no um, yeah it's it's, it's just, like done in a way that mm. clearly says more about the people that made the show than it does about the character uh mm-hmm. the, the thing my mind has gone to just now is like it's the speaking of more um rage against the machine it's the uh some of those that work forces are the same that word crosses except it's some of those that uh, animate anime are the same ones <laughs> drawing fetish art of said anime <laughs> um, you know like you you it's like it's like, I don't know, like, sometimes a character exists and then, like, the, you know, weirdly specific fetish art comes out of that. But it's like, no, this is, like, happening in tandem. <laughs> like, they, they knew what they were doing, for for better or for worse. Um, uh, there's a funny shot of Max, uh, since we were talking about him, of he's eating toast uh, in the junk shop. 
but he's got his mask still on, which begs the question: Was <laughs> he eating that toast? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he's like chewing it. Like we don't see see him take a bite out of it, but like it cuts to him and he's like taking a bite out of already, and he's like clearly chewing, but his like mask is still up. It's it's good. Yeah, it's I was. Funny. I hope they have like a running gag with that. Like you, you always see him eating, but never actually see him putting the food in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't want to know what he looks like underneath the mask. Don't need to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's beautiful the way he is. Um, <laughs> we talked about Gridman glitching out. I love that the uh, solution to it is uh, Rika pulling the cord on Junk <laughs> and everybody going like, wait, what just happened? And she's just like, uh, maybe we <laughs> should restart it. It is a computer. You do usually do that when it crashes. Um, was, was and funny. then she kicks it. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> because it's me. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Blah blah blah, and he's like, "Oh, I can't get it. Like, I can't get it to boot again." And she starts kicking it, and she's like, "No, what the fuck? Like, that's not, that's not going to help either." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Gridman combines with uh, Max again and does a literal common uh, rider rider kick. It's sick. It owns. It's good. It has a really cool fucking finishing pose as well in this episode, uh, where he like he kicks and then slides out of the explosion and. You get like a, a another cool like hero pose. It's just it's just mm. good. This show's so fucking cool. I mean, my reference for the kick was my brain immediately went to a uh, gunbuster <laughs> instead of anything instead of like Kamen sure. Rider. But I mean, I just see that's just in what I I just see someone <laughs> kick down at a forty-five degree angle, and I go, aha! <laughs> it's just it's just like my Japanese tokusatsu. <laughs> I mean, it was like specifically they call it like lightning kick, and that's what they do in gunbuster. Yeah. Uh, I guess so. I haven't seen Gunbuster in a while, and I've admittedly gotten like way more into Common Rider since I first saw Gunbuster. Um, and I'm not. I think the years line up right. That oh yeah, Gunbuster is late '80s. I don't know why I thought it was earlier than that. Yeah, Gun- Gunbuster is probably doing a Common Rider reference. I mean, we all know um, uh, Hideki Anno's, uh proclivities towards uh, Tokusatsu. So. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like I wonder what the 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 family tree looks like is it, it does it funnel down to uh you know gridman or or common writer or does it you know where does the branches branch off who are the roots who watches the the ultraman yeah i i just have to assume that given how uh hideki Otto loves to just take cool things from other things and put it into his own work that there's no way that was an, an original thought <laughs> <laughs> like that's fine <laughs> like um uh Anyway, I uh, also really like in this episode um, uh, that we get like a little bit more of Gridman being a character and he's like constantly like he's like asking Yuta what's wrong and he's like picking up on the fact that he's got a crush and he's just like giving him like nods of approval and like like cheering him on like you've got this. <laughs> it's like I love I love support of Gridman. Yeah, I had a note that said like emotional support Gridman. And then in the last episode, <laughs> uh, so when you first meet him, like he's saying like uh you know, he's very formal, like, oh, you know, we have to awaken, you know, saying all the normal, you know, anime bullshit or whatever. Uh, and as you episode two, they turn on Gridman. He just goes, yo, it's like, hell yeah, Gridman, you're here, man. And then it comes back again in the next episode where he's like, where are we? <laughs> I don't know where we are. It's also a good gag, too, that I didn't mention, like, knowing a bit about the, uh, you know, the Toku show, um, because, like, um, I think eventually in the Toku show, they can just straight up talk with Gridman, but early on, they have to, like, type on the keyboard to talk to him. Like, they can hear Gridman, but Gridman can't hear them. So to reply, they have to literally type out their sentences. Um, and I like how quickly the show just, like, uh, you know, they upgrade the computer. And it's like, no, we can we can just all talk. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Download um, some and, more RAM. 
I also really uh, like how fast paced the show is um, in terms of like, you know, it only took three episodes for him to get like, you know, like an upgrade with like the uh, Max Gridman um, and that we're just like ripping the bandaid off with the Neon Genesis high school students. And instead of like showing up one by one to introduce their thing, they're just all here all at once. Um, uh, um, I think it's like it's fun how fast paced the show is and how kind of quickly it gets going. Um, I also really like uh, in this episode and I guess in the next one as well uh, that instead of it just being Gridman versus a kaiju like Antony's just always popping up <laughs> because Gridman's like ah kaiju I must fight it and then Gridman's here and so Antony goes oh it's Gridman I must fight him <laughs> and it's just always this like three-way fucking shit show every time now it's good. Well in this case uh, Anti and the kaiju start fighting more yeah. uh, than each like more than uh, fighting Gridman almost like Anti's like no Gridman's mine but like I don't know. It's 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 bizarre. <laughs> like it's it doesn't make any like you would think they'd be like oh yeah we'll work together to fight Gridman, but then it's like no they just start like tangling each other with their tentacles or whatever and throwing each other around and it's 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 amazing how Anti just keeps fucking <laughs> fucking everything up. Yeah, it's a good like clusterfuck. Um, and I like Anti like continually just like running out of power before he can <laughs> like defeat Gridman. Um. I have one more good line from Max that I, I put down in my notes, uh, kind of along the lines I was saying, where, like, they don't get too involved. They just, like, comment on, like, oh, how interesting when things happen with the other characters. And it's, like, uh, like Yuta trying to ask Rika to, like, get lunch with him, but she thinks, like, oh, well, we'll have a hard time finding a place for all of us to fit together. But, yeah, we can all go to lunch. Um, and, like, Max just, like, turns away from them and says to himself like ah oh, you two truly are vexing to watch <laughs> it's just like it's good. <laughs> very fun vocalizing character. the thoughts of the audience just, exactly just say it just kiss her god fuck um all right oh, we got anything else about this one um i just have like one small note it was like oh wow um rika's character design really is strong in the fact that like the few scenes we see her without um her cardigan she like looks substantially different and i just thought that was neat hmm. just wanted to point that out <laughs> that is neat also like her especially in some of the early episodes um, but all the character designs are good in a way that they can really kind of like contort them in ways that still make sense with the overall design like you were saying with like the the scene where um the special hot dog gets destroyed but also like uh, one of my favorite screenshots I have in um, in my notes is like uh, Rika like resting in the arms of one of her friends in the first episode, and her face is just really scrunched up because <laughs> she's got like her friend's mm. arms underneath her chin. Uh, so she just looks really round in a way that's like you know clearly like proportion different than like her just like neutral character design, but it like you know, like the character design allows for that in a way that's really smart. Um, all right, well. Uh, Another voice actor, Gridman himself, is voiced by uh, Midorikawa Hikaru. Um, this is a fun one. So he is Dio Brando, but he is Dio Brando in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood, which is the 2007 film adaptation of Part 1. Not to be confused with the 2012 TV adaptation that's still going, where Dio Brando is voiced by uh, uh, famous uh, Kuyasu Takahito, who's like who people think of when they think of Dio's voice actor. Um, so he voices Dio in that. He voices Garo in um, One Punch Man Season 2, uh, which I like that character. Um, this is for me and you, Danny. Uh, he is uh, Sakamoto in Haven't You Heard, I'm Sakamoto. Oh, okay. Which is really good. Um, here's another weird one. I was like, I was like, man, that Dio credit is really strange. Here's an even stranger one. He is Seto Kaiba, 
but you might go, wait, Austin, I thought... Oh, it's season yeah, zero? Yeah, I, I thought Kenjiro uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, was uh, Seto Kaiba. I thought you loved that man. Um, <laughs> but yes, he's, he's Kaiba in um, uh, specifically the pre-Duel Monsters uh, anime, um, which I think is just called Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, and then he's also Kaiba in the, the pre-Duel Monsters movie, um, and then is replaced by Kenjiro Suda in Duel Monsters going forward. Um, he is... I put this in all caps. He is motherfucking Hero Yui in Gundam Wing, aka the main character of Gundam Wing. Um, he is Lancer in Fate Zero. Uh, he is uh, Rukawa Kaede in Slam Dunk. He is Tamahome in Fushigi Yugi. Uh, he is uh, Zelgadis Grey Words in Slayers. He is Sanada Akihiko in Persona 3. He's Android 16 in Dragon Ball Z. He's Tien in uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, specifically in Kai and Super. Um, he's Ryu Ryuho, which is a fun name in Scryed. Um, he's Soften in Bobo 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 Bo, um, which is the guy with like the soft serve uh, ice cream head. Uh, he's Best Genus in uh, My Hero Academia, and most importantly, uh, amongst a bunch of other things, he is uh, Lin, brother of Shin in Cowboy Bebop. Um, oh no! <laughs> which makes me. <laughs> beg the question uh which one is lin and which one is shin well one of them's lin and the other one's shin you got him you got him switched but which which one is um uh which one is the one that uh dies in um uh jupiter jazz and which is the one that dies at the uh the end of the um end of the show i think shin dies at the oh fuck i don't know Mm mm-hmm <laughs> I no, wait, which had... which one has the bigger plot contribution? Which one's more important to the story? I could not even tell you that. <laughs> I watched that show. <laughs> it's I don't a, know. A, a tie for last place. <laughs> yeah. Uh apparently Lin is the one that dies um in Jupiter Jazz, and then Shin is the one that dies in episode twenty six. Uh he voices Lin specifically. But not Shin, I guess. Which yeah. <laughs> is sure. Who'd you say he voiced in Persona three? Uh Akihiko. Yeah, Akihiko. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, one of those. I, I didn't know who he was, but I put it in there because I knew y'all would know. Mm. Um, but that's a that's a fun one. Uh, they did not get. I don't know if they couldn't or if they didn't if they didn't think like this like I did. But I was like, they should have gotten the original Gridman to voice Gridman. Um, but I guess who they got is pretty. All right. Uh, episode five is called Provocation. Yuta and his class go on a field trip into the mountains. During the trip, Akane questions Yuta about his amnesia. Uh, and tricks him into admitting he is Gridman. Uh, she then summons a massive mountain-sized kaiju uh, she created prior to draw Gridman out, but Yuta can't transform because he has no access to junk. The Gridman Alliance managed to contact uh, the Neon Genesis students um, who purchased junk from Rika's mother and reach Yuta's location uh, to allow him to become Gridman. Uh, Auntie also appears, but the Neon Genesis students um, member Bore combines with Gridman to form Buster Gridman uh, and overwhelm the kaiju with sheer firepower, causing Anti to be buried beneath the rubble. Afterwards, Yuta and his class return home, with Max realizing uh, kaiju always seem to appear in proximity to Yuta's class. After they leave, the mountainside suddenly breaks apart, um, which makes a lot more sense after episode six, I guess. My first note, my very first note that I wrote down is, Wow, already way too horny. Please chill. <laughs> because we get... I mean, my first note was, the camera is very horny in this scene, TPH. <laughs> yeah, I. my first note is, move over beach episode. We got a rafting episode. But then my second <laughs> note is, thumbs thumbs down for a leering shot. Though I did like that 
they framed it uh, uh, with her being on top of a pile of trash. I, I did like that little note, but yeah, no, it's uh, it is intrinsically and incredibly horny in a way that was deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like drawing camel toe level of like, dude, calm down. <laughs> yeah, especially because like it's it starts out as like she's she's like just put on her swimsuit and like it's basically like showing it to alexis and alexis is just like oh looking really nice or whatever and i'm like okay this is fine this is whatever uh and then she lays down on the trash and i'm like aha that's funny and then we get like the most like uh maximal like complete pan up from like toe to head of her entire body um and as you're saying like way too much detail um and it's like all right chill please uh the episode just started can you not wait until they like actually go on the trip um sadly it does not no chill. It, it, it doesn't get any better um and we kind of you know mentioned this before it's like it's uh not in service of like oh the boys are being skeevy and like catching peaks at the girls or whatever it's like it's in 100 percent for the audience um which is just mm-hmm. like uh i don't know like fan service and anime is fine or whatever but it's like always more palatable when it's not just oh this is explicitly to make you the audience member like horny uh for this anime girl like it's just like i don't know like i'd rather watch something that's specifically trying to do that and not just like shoehorned into the show because the people that made it were extremely horny for the characters they designed mm-hmm. yeah and this also this episode, blah, 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 blah. this episode also has uh the to me i think I, mean, I could be wrong i might not be remembering everything but it stood out so much that i'm remembering it now um the most yuri Beatty scene where uh uh Kane's like, oh, can you put on my, uh, put sunscreen on my back? And, and, uh, what's her face does, and, uh, or Rika does. And she's like, okay, now do the front. And it's like, what? Uh, oh, just kidding. And it's like, come on, man. Like, fuck off. I, I can fully confirm through my research last <laughs> night that that, uh, scene comes up again oh, in Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> they knew, they knew it would. They knew what they were doing. They're planting the seeds to sow or to reap later. Um, this is the first time that I wrote in my notes about, uh, Dinazanon in a way that, um, was like, oh, I actually have like a whole lot of respect for Dinazanon now because Dinazanon also has an episode where it's like basically an excuse to get the cast in swimsuits. Um, they don't go on a rafting lesson. They go to like a water park, which I guess is kind of fun. Um, but it's way less leering than this is like, it's way more understated. It's like, you know, like, sure. They're wearing swimsuits. Like if you want to be like you, the audience want to be horny about it, you can, but it's like, it's not like, it's not as bad as this is. Um, and so it's just like the, the first time where I thought about Dinazanon in a way there was like, Oh, like Dinazanon actually like had this exact kind of episode, but did it like way better. Um, mm-hmm. not to say the rest of the episode isn't good. Um, but that those aspects of this episode are, uh, um, stand out i guess overall i do think this one is my favorite episode of this bunch um it's a shame that it's dragged down by how horny it is but not i I liked it yeah it doesn't like ruin the episode i also do like there's a bit where um uh i think it's like as the i can't remember if it's like right before oh it's when so like uh akane calls alexis to like launch the or to like activate the kaiju um and she like sneaks off 
and she pulls out her phone from like her uh, like the upper part of her swimsuit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fuck? like that doesn't make any sense, but it's very funny. Um, and did mm. it did it feel <laughs> like it was done in like a weird horny way, but like in a purely like this is a funny bit. Like how how does she have her cell phone on her? Like oh of course it's just like tucked under her boobs somewhere. Sure whatever. Um, <laughs> I thought that was funny, uh, but the rest of the stuff in this was really unnecessary. Um, and again, like it, it would have been fine if you want to do like a like, oh, Yuta's really like nervous to be able to see Rika in her swimsuit kind of thing. Um, but that's like not what they're doing. Um, it is mostly focused on like Akane, like the leering stuff, um, less on Rika. And I do think I did have mm-hmm. a note of like I think Rika's swimsuit is actually like really cute. Um, I like the like the color and design on it. Um, and I guess was able to appreciate that because like she wasn't being leered at the same way that uh, Akane was. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say knowing context, it would have been fine with like the camera being slightly leery of Akane, but it go- definitely goes too far in a way that makes me uncomfortable. But there's like two other things that um, I guess this is the more important one that I want to bring up is like, oh, people are like saying... Um, What's his name? Oh, Utsumi. Um, Utsumi is like, oh, chubby, and it's like, he's like barely less skinny than the other characters. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, anime. Chill the fuck mm-hmm. out. With the fat phobia. God, that sucked. That really sucked. <laughs> fucking no excuse for yeah, that at all. Yeah, because they try to frame it Bad. like, oh, he's so, it's so cute and squishy, and he gets like flustered when um, Akane's like, uh, you know, squeezing him. But at the same time, I don't know, uh, don't put your hands on people. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, you know, they don't frame it as anything in the show, but I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't like the the way it's normalizing it at all. I think I would have liked, um, like, if, um, like, while Akane is, like, questioning Yuta, if they're, like, cutting around to what all the other students are doing, and without any dialogue, we just get, like, you know, uh, uh, Utsumi's friends, like, kind of, like, pinching his sides or whatever. Like, that's that would be a little bit more, like, playful and fun, but when you specifically mm-hmm. draw attention to like, oh, uh-huh, someone's put on some weight kind of shit, it's like, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they do that with one of the characters in a way that I really liked. Um, the character who's always wearing a face mask, mm-hmm. like it, I wouldn't even be able to hear it if it weren't for the subtitles. And then I, I, I clued into like, oh, there's like a background conversation um, where they're like, oh, should you really be on this rafting trip if you have a cold? And, and someone's just like, oh, no, she just wears it. Like, that's just her aesthetic or whatever. Yeah. Um, like how? Yeah, a little background detail like that because I you got to kick out of that because I actually had a note about that character and that I loved that she always wears a face mask. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, and I thought about like them doing that as like more in the background because there is a really good background gag um, of uh, there's two students that clearly over the course of the field trip like become a couple. Like they start out like you know like just kind of standing near each other and in like a group of friends and then we see them like like talking to each other alone kind of off on the shore and then when the kaiju attacks and everybody's running away they're holding hands as they run away um which i noticed because the girl in that uh couple um basically has the same character design as akko from uh, little witch but without the ponytail um because again trigger loves to just throw their own designs back into stuff um i thought that was fun and it's like oh you know if you want to just have like a fun like oh you know people are maybe like you know teasing utsumi a little bit like you could do it visually in a way that's like easier to swallow than just like having characters say mean shit to him and then laugh about it i guess mm-hmm. yeah 
another the second one I wanted to bring up of things and I'm like yikes is um near the end of the episode um Rika's friends be like oh why are you hanging out with the boys dressed like that and it's like y'all are on a rafting trip and she's wearing a swim shoot shut the fuck up yeah <laughs> she's wearing appropriate stuff for the situation like I, I hate straight people after everyone ran away uh you know in the midst of a kaiju appearing they're like wait a minute why are you dressed like that it's like um excuse me i think the most uh generous read on that you could have is um because like i forget that character's name um rika's friend um but she is constantly throughout these episodes being like haha you and yuta kind of thing like teasing her about like uh the two of them um which is like its own thing or whatever um but you could definitely read that as like she knows it's like appropriate she's just messing with her right like it's not like a like oh you slut wearing a swimsuit like kind of just like you know just being jokey yeah yeah i guess it is in character for her but i hate i hate that part of her character (laughs) um i do think some of that stuff is fun because it is it is one of those like trigger things where it's like sometimes it's like in the foreground her teasing um rika about yuta but sometimes it's like really like subtle in the background because in like the first episode, um, when the two of them, when Rika and Yuta are like eating donuts outside of a convenience store, um, uh, and it's like the first time you see um, Sword Caliber like looking at them from across the street, you can also see Rika's friend walking by, and she's clearly like like craning her neck to kind of like see them uh, in a way that's kind of funny. Um, mm. So like that makes sense as like part of that gag, but I agree. Like in a vacuum, the sentiment is a little bit like shut up (laughs) like you were also just wearing a swimsuit like an hour ago like chill um i do really like the uh conversation akane and hibiki uh have uh, where she eventually gets him to uh confess she's just asking like questions really quickly and she's like so you're transforming right and you're like oh yeah (laughs) like wait what did you just ask Um, i thought that was funny uh that that line rattles around in uh you just had a lot in i know i don't I know it's in the next episode. I don't know if it's as much in this episode, uh, but I got it's a. I, I want to put a pin in it because I got frustrated with how that sentiment pays off. Um, but it, it comes up more in the next episode. Um, but speaking of Akane, I I really like you know it's a it's a minor thing and you know it's not the first. It's not like a unique thing either. But I do like that um, her voice when she's like has her internal monologue is very deep and very like hateful <laughs> but then all of her spoken dialogue is very like high-pitched very upbeat and bubbly and and, and all that um in a way that i don't know I, I, it's a it's a little detail they could have not done it but uh i'm glad they did it 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 shows her her two-facedness uh very well yeah a lot like how um you know she puts on like a well put together uh image when she's at school and then the second she gets home she goes into to gremlin mode <laughs> uh and speaking of her making a phone call, um, do you want to talk about the the kaiju? Yeah, the kaiju's sick as hell. It's really hell cool. yeah. <laughs> it, it gave me big Shadow of the Colossus vibes. It it I love monsters that in this case it's literally made of the mountain, but I love monsters where it feels like they've been like slumbering for hundreds of years and they're like they're waking up and like the soil is shaking off of them. So to have that distilled into like almost like a giant turtle mount, like you know. From the mountain, Adamantois from Final Fantasy coming out. Uh, yeah. Very, very nice. Yeah, and it like shoots out volcanic rocks out of its back. It's good. Um, and I like that. Uh, well, I like how like like Yuta 
combines with Gridman, and then he's like, can you get as big as that thing? And Gridman's like, well, I could, but I'd run out of energy, like, instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, at, at max, I could do 70 meters, and but that's not going to give us enough time. And I do love the entire, uh, like, setup and payoff in a way that I didn't even recognize, where... At the beginning, Utsumi's uh, buying like a coffee from a vending machine, so he has a bunch of coins. And then later, they have to get junk over to the uh, uh, to the rafting site, I guess, um, or to like the station. Uh, so they they call using those coins. I'm like, aha! They <laughs> they paid off the coins that I didn't recognize was a thing. Um, but just the whole sequence of them buying it from uh, uh, from from the junk shop. Uh, bring it on the trains and then them falling asleep on the train which I was like oh that's a cute little running gag that everyone falls asleep on trains because they're so relaxing not knowing uh, <laughs> that it was a plot point um, yeah I just love that whole sequence and then uh, <laughs> Gridman's like where are we <laughs> I don't recognize this place it's like okay um, speaking of the uh, phone booth scene um this is another, uh, believe it or not, Evangelion reference. Um, the way they frame the phone booth and uh, Rika on the phone uh, is literally exactly the same as episode, I think, 11 of Evangelion. Doesn't doesn't Eva also start in the first episode on a shot of a... Yes, um... but uh, or like there is a phone booth shot, but the one that they're specifically referencing in here comes from a different episode. Uh, like I said, I think it's oh, 11. Okay. Um, but literally down to like the way Rika's shadow is cast on the phone booth, like the angle of the cord as she pulls the phone away, the phone book on top of it, and then like the way the phone book cuts off her mouth um, as she talks on it so that they don't have to animate her mouth. <laughs> Very uh, Evangelion production uh, tricks there. Um, it's exactly the same, which is funny. Um, I, said, <laughs> I said in my notes, now this is the kind of reference I'm here for <laughs> because it's just like completely <laughs> inconsequential. It's like, it doesn't really like tie in in any thematic way. It's just, they went like, oh yeah, we could just literally do the same scene from Evangelion. Um, that is cool. Um, we also get, um, I put these screenshots in my notes. We get like, um, uh, I think Yuta, while he's on the train and falls asleep, has like visions of like some fight where it looks like uh, one um, Alexis with a giant spear stabbing what looks like to be Gridman. So I guess put a pin in that for next time, because um, <laughs> uh, that's the thing we see. Um... Um, I want to draw attention to one of the jokes of this episode. It's um, the four Waffen boys are sitting at the cafe, and um, Rika's mom is like, do any of you actually work at all? And there's like a 30-second pause <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> before they answer. And then, yeah, and then when they say it's it's like 3200 yen or whatever they all whip out like rolls of bills and shit it's like okay yeah i think like in the next episode like uh because they return the computer for their money back um next episode and oh yeah uh it's either rika or rika's mom is is like i'm pretty sure they're broke and that's like all the money they had <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very funny um and i do like the way that they're just like constantly just like hanging out in the junk shop on standby until until shit pops off um i will say anything? i oh. yeah one, one more thing on my end um i i think this episode i kind of got bored of anti like i was just like i could kind of take or leave him he's, he's not really compelling to me i could see him becoming more interesting but like just like gremlin who appears sometimes i don't know it, it started to kind of lose me at this point um and they don't really do too much interesting with him in the next episode but i don't know i was kind of let down by by him at by this point well like i said i think the design is sick and i love that he 
eats with his face first. So uh, I'm okay with I'm okay with him, but I can see that. Mm. Uh, well, speaking of anti, uh, anti is voiced by uh, Suzumura Kenichi. Uh, he is motherfucking Kakashi in Naruto. Um, he is. Huh. Uh, Young Wenli in uh, pretty much all the recent Legend of the Galactic Hero stuff. Um, he is Okita Sogo in Gintama. Um, he is uh, Hitachin uh, Hikaru in uh, Oren High School Host Club. Um, he's uh, Marusaki Bara Atsushi in Kuroko's Basket, aka The Wall, aka The Evil King, as he is known. Um, uh, that's for all the Kuroko's basket fans out here. Um, he is Zach Fair in Final Fantasy Advent Children, most importantly of all. Um, <laughs> uh, he is uh, Shiro Kamui in X, uh, the clamp anime. Uh, he is uh, Tanaka Yoshitake in The Daily Lives of High School Boys. Um, he's uh, Mikushiba Momotaro in Free. Uh, and funnily enough, he is Shin Asuka, main character of Gundam Seed Destiny. Um, so that huh. was, that was fun to discover. Um, to be fair, I like Shin in Gundam Seed Destiny well enough. Most of the characters I can't stand in Seed Destiny are the ones that come from Seed. <laughs> um, so Shin's fine in my book, at least at this point. Uh, and also like a ton of other stuff. I had to like, uh, I obviously didn't read all of him. He's in a ton of things. Um, uh, but yeah, that was anti. Um, episode six is called Contact, not to be confused with the Jodie Foster film of the same name. Uh, <laughs> confident that Yuta is Gridman, Akane orders Anti to kill him, but Anti begins uh, succumbing to hunger during his search uh, due to Akane having not fed him. Uh, he's soon found by Rika, who feeds and bathes him before he runs off. Meanwhile, Akane approaches Utsumi uh, and attempts to extract more information from him, but he reveals nothing. As these events occur, Yuta meets a kaiju, or sorry, a human-like kaiju named uh, Onosilus II, uh, who takes him on a train ride to show him an obliterated wasteland uh, past the outskirts. Uh, Anosilis explains that the city is uh, Akane's creation, along with the kaiju she uses to perpetually destroy unwanted elements and repair the city without anyone knowing. She also warns him that Akane is being manipulated. Um, this description leaves it out, but that's by uh, Alexis. Uh, before leaving, uh, Yuta is attacked by Auntie on the way home. Uh, but Max and Caliber intervene uh, and convince Anti to leave uh, by pointing out that he will never properly battle with Gridman if he kills Yuta. Yuta then goes to the shop to report to Gridman and finds his friends waiting. Um, you mentioned the last episode might have been your favorite. This was probably my favorite. Uh, oh. I thought this was a good episode. This is uh, where the, the show started to lose me a little bit, actually. Um, also, I misread or, or had a different interpretation, whatever, of... Um, what Anosilus, which was that name stated or is that just so here's some lore um Anosilus okay. is a kaiju from the original Gridman. okay so interesting again we'll see how the next six episodes go but i'm curious if this show will try to purport some kind of connection between the two shows in like literal terms mm. but that's probably the closest we've gotten so far as like She's literally like a kind of descendant, I guess, of of a kaiju from the original Gridman. And definitely presents herself as like a outside actor, like not <laughs> created by any of the characters or whatever. So I misread it as, or read it differently, because I don't necessarily know that I missed something. I might have just read it differently because I don't have the background knowledge or anything. But um, that it wasn't Akane's like 
the god of, i mean they, they say like the city's the creation but i thought that it was like oh when alexis came down it like gifted her those powers because the f- very first scene of this whole anime is like i think is akane on a roof and like she looks up at like a star or like something in the sky right yeah so i thought it was like oh like that gave her the power to like change the city and so i was like oh it's still the real world but like she has these new powers and is like manipulating the world kind of thing so once so that was my mindset you know i didn't have any kind of clue about there being another world or anything like that um but yeah i don't know something about this episode just kind of made me like nah like i didn't care about the whole like oh there's like i don't know how to describe it where it's like reality is changing itself and like you know we have this like outside person who's literally a god and da 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 da. i don't know something about it just didn't it wasn't as interesting as the previous five episodes for me well, I like that stuff, but that's not why I would say this is my favorite episode. I like it precisely because it's the and they literally call attention to this, which I think is funny. But it's it's an episode where there's no kaiju, there's no there's no fight. Um, I mm-hmm. like that it is just space for these characters to be characters. Um, I like all the stuff with like Akane and um, Utsumi talking with each other. I like um, Rika's whole thing this entire episode of just like it being like uh, summer break or whatever, and she's just bored. Um, and then ends up running into Auntie. Um, um, I think the stuff with Auntie is is interesting, and I'm I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, but I like the idea of like Akane's like literally uh, neglecting him to the point of like you know him being malnourished and like as we said before, uh, oh stinky, um, <laughs> and Rika like realizing that uh, you know or not realizing that like it's like Akane doing that to him, but realizing like he's been neglected in this way. It's like hey, come with me. I'll I'll take you to my shop and we'll get you some food and and get you a bath um i don't know it's just it it again i like the space that the show gives to do stuff that's not just gridman fighting giant monsters and it's cool to have an episode um where it's just that um also cool to like like i said i like the pace the show moves at and in another show i think you'd get the reveal that like akane is like the god controlling what goes on in the city um like way too close to the end of the show for there to be any like interesting development around that but it's really cool that like six episodes in our main character already knows that now and so we can Mm -hmm. do interesting things hopefully in the six episodes to come well that's what frustrated me i think was um i mentioned this when we were talking about the last episode where uh, i said like put a pin in it where he kind of has like in the back of his head like why did she ask me if i'm transforming and like i thought that was going to start to lead to some sort of like reveal or like him kind of coming to a revelation because i do like all the other stuff with like rika and um Yutsume and and um kind of like hanging out or whatever but um I, I just felt like yuta's stuff in this was very info dumpy um in a way that i don't know it just didn't work for me um it 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 took away from the what i thought was going to be a revelation because again just someone just sits him down and explains to him everything that's happening um and i just wish it was kind of set up differently yeah, that's just me. That's fair. I think I just respect the idea of just like, you know, instead of just like doling it out, like, especially because like all the hints and pieces are there enough that like when you get that lore dump, you're like, oh, okay, that all makes sense. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it like contextualizes a bunch of stuff. And again, instead of just like leaving you hanging or like really dragging that out, I'm I'm happy for them to have just um, like pull the bandaid off of them, off of it now. Um, because I think it's more interesting that way. I also think it's fun to do it after the episode with the whole, like, you know, oh, they 
go on the field trip and then they come back and like you know oh why does everybody fall asleep on the train it's like oh that's why because like it's like you know basically like something like they go to a place that akane creates so that she can then destroy it when they go back to the city um a fun detail um is that uh the um uh when uh hibiki and um uh anasilis the second get on the train uh the signboard uh uh, at the station says that the destination is uh sakuragaoka which is the city from hyper agent gridman um and then when they uh arrive back the signboard says that the destination is uh Tsuchuji dai which is the like the city that this show takes place in um i just think that's like a a fun detail um but i think it's cool i like i also like um <laughs> the like animatic uh 3d animation that they use yeah, like the low poly looks it's, so it's fucking good. Yeah. I love it. Um, especially like low poly Akane, <laughs> like uh, the the kaiju. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so good. Um, and I just like the general like tone of this episode. Like it's very like low key. Like the stakes aren't very high at, at any point. Um, uh, like really, I I guess like something to um you know maybe point out about this episode and other episodes um is like uh you know it like plot wise it's fast paced but like the show will definitely like have its like slower moments where like there's not a lot of dialogue happening or like characters are just kind of standing around with each other like kind of lets the moment breathe a little bit and there's lots of that in this episode um and i just i appreciate that uh compared to so many other anime that just like will not um uh, give the space for a good uh quiet moment or just like linger on a shot or anything like that uh, yeah the pacing in the show is very very good for this first half this is the episode where we get the the real glizzy gulper of the show uh auntie uh eating the a special mm -hmm. hot dog uh in the park we also get an incredible cut of um uh a sign on a fence in the park that says please do not feed stray cats in the park uh immediately cut to auntie chopping on the hot dog <laughs> it's very good <laughs> um uh also lots of fun details in this episode that i'll just i'll just go through i guess um they go to not Starbucks, Star Bows Coffee, and the logo is just a Zaku. Uh, it's just the helmet of a Zaku from Mobile Suit Gundam. Um, I already mentioned the uh, the, the kind of fourth wall nod of um, Akane complaining about... Well, so I guess we didn't mention this. Akane and Utsumi bond over their love of uh, uh, kaiju shows. Like, Utsumi is in a bookstore reading... Um, I think the fake name of the magazine is Spaceship, um, which is like a magazine all about like Ultraman. And they're talking about their love for it, and Nakane's clearly like, oh yeah, but I just love it. Like, I just wish the kaiju would win. Like, um, mm -hmm. and that's all fun. And then she, like, they're both complaining, like, yeah, they shouldn't make episodes without any kaiju in them. What, what's up with that? And then this is the episode. <laughs> uh, like, it's lampshading, but it's it's good. It's funny. Um, this is the episode where it really stuck out to me that, like, oh, Alexis is literally just, like, con digifer, but they slapped Inferno Cop's head on him because we get, like, a full body shot of him for once. Um, uh, oh, Yeah. Him when uh autosolus is um uh telling uh yuta what's going on um uh okay the one customer that we ever see in the junk shop um <laughs> is um a guy buying a keyboard uh and, and there's some stuff going on here so he is voiced by uh messiah obi who plays uh naoto show who is the character in the original Gridman that has the bond with Gridman, like transforms with Gridman. Um, 
and he's buying a keyboard because there is an episode of the original Gridman where they have to like play a special song on a keyboard to like help defeat the monster. <laughs> it's a very good oh. <laughs> like uh like throwaway reference that like like is a for a very specific type of fan. Um but it doesn't like detract from the episode. But the joke also works for someone who Exactly, because it. it's like, oh hey, they actually have a customer and it's while one of the like um I don't know his name, it's the uh, Rika's mom refers to him as like the the pretty boy or the handsome one or whatever of the mm-hmm. Neon Genesis students. Um but he's just like on his phone while he's trying to buy this keyboard. It's like it's like, oh yeah, this is that's the only keyboard we have. It's like, I don't know, twelve bucks or whatever he says. <laughs> Oh, he's, he's, uh, if you don't see it, then we don't have another one. Because he asks, yes. like, do you have another keyboard? He's like, if you don't see it, we don't have it. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, some other uh, fun things. Yeah, so um, uh, Anasolis uh, is um, from, I think, the same episode that they have to play the uh, keyboard in uh, Gridman. Uh, so that also connects back. Um, uh, the... Um, song that the uh, that anasolis uh or anasolis um plays for yuta uh, on the train ride is like a piano version of the um uh hyperagent gridman theme song um because of course it is uh and then um uh the um i'm curious if either of you picked up on this um you know the scene where rika's like she's like wandering around because it's like summer break or whatever and she's bored and she goes into a record store did y'all catch what song is playing in the record store no it's the ending theme to Inferno Cop. Oh my god! Oh my god! I promise you, if you go back right now, you'll be like, "Holy shit!" Um, uh, very funny, very good joke. I love that. Um, so sometimes triggers on their bullshit, and it it means like doing the most leering shot possible of an anime uh, high schooler, and then sometimes they're on their bullshit, and it's them just putting the Inferno Cop ending theme into a random anime episode, uh, and I love that for them. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have much more to say. I just thought it was like like a nice change of pace um, for the rest of the show. I like the development, kind of tying it back into like, oh, that's why it's not like the original Gridman, and they're like going into the computer world because they're kind of already in the computer world. Um, I'm curious to see where that stuff goes. Um, really, the only thing I have to say about this one is how much uh, like parts of it reminded me a little bit of the uh, setup for Haruhi Suzumiya with like the uh, definitely like different but the whole like oh yeah there's just a god and she goes she's a normal high school girl and i don't know where i'm going with this that was just what was on my mind a lot with the uh conversation in the train mm, i don't know much about haruhi quick question about uh Inicillus. Mm-hmm. do they have a similar character in like the actual grid mansion no oh, okay they are just like a kaiju in that yeah Anasilis is like a, a kaiju in that um uh and um I guess like uh uh specifically like a kaiju that gets saved, I guess. Um instead of just defeated. Um and it's also like apparently the shirt she's wearing in this is like uh similar to a shirt worn in that same episode or whatever. Um like I said, I only got to watch a few episodes in this uh current watch of original Gridman, so I didn't get to watch that one. Um but I'll probably watch that uh, by next time and I'll report back. Uh, but these are just some of the, the trivia notes I saw. It's like, oh okay, that's like a lot coming from that one specific episode. Well, I guess um, this is Anasilis the second, so completely yes. different. Yeah. Um, and again, like, maybe a slight spoiler for Dinazanon, but she shows up in Dinazanon also in a very... Like, I I didn't realize this watching Dinazanon, but there's clearly, like, some sort of time jump, I guess, between the two shows, because Auntie and her are both, like, a lot older in Dinazanon when they show up. Um, but they're both in there. Um, 
So it's kind of cool to like, I guess, have context for that now because that was definitely one of the parts of Dinazon that confused me. Because um, I thought like, oh, like Dinazon's like not so much of a sequel that I need to finish Gridman before I watch it. And for the most part, no, but that stuff definitely makes more sense now. Um, but yeah, uh, and I felt like that was a good place for us to end this time unintentionally. Um, just because like, that's like a good like, oh, okay, we have like new information now, like going into these next six episodes. Mm. Also important to get that out there so I, we can like talk about it for like how that changes the um, yeah, other sure. episodes. Um, oh, I do have one more thing about this one and I guess the show in general compared to Hyper Agent Gridman. Um, in Hyper Agent Gridman, uh, I talked about the bad guy, uh, Con Digifer, much like how Alexis is kind of like, you know, empowering Akane to make uh, all the kaiju. Um, there's a character in Gridman, like a high school boy in the same class that the other three main characters are in, uh, who is like, it entered into like a demonic pact with Khan Digifer to create uh, kaiju to defeat him. So like that premise is also very similar. He's not like, you know, God of the city or whatever, but it's a similar setup of like, you know, oh, like this high school uh, kid is being empowered to make monsters through some like uh, extra dimensional evil entity. Um, so there's definitely like a mirroring going on there in the premise of the two shows. Uh, anyone got anything else? Nope. This one, uh, I mean, this batch was really, really good. Uh, you know, for me, episode six didn't work as well, but that's fine. Um, all right. Well, uh, last one, I promise we would get to this voice actor. Uh, Rika's mom, uh, a.k.a. Takarada Orie, is voiced by Shintani Mayumi. Uh, as Danielle said, she is uh, Midori in Space Patrol Luluko. Uh, she is uh, Haruharu Haruko in Fully Cooly. Um, that's the main uh, main character. Um, one of the main characters, whatever. Uh, she is uh, uh, Jakuzuru Nonon in Kill la Kill. Because, uh, of course. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> she is um, uh, Shibahime Tsubasa in Karikano. Uh, Lucia Fex in uh, Promare, um, and uh, this is another one for me. Uh, she is Miss Shamor in Go Princess uh, Precure, aka the Siamese Cat Fairy that teaches like princess lessons to the Precure. <laughs> um, and trust me, there'll be some very fun voice actors for next time. There are too many good voice actors in the show, uh, so the rest of the rest <laughs> will come back. Uh, I haven't even touched any of the um, Neon Genesis uh, voice actors yet to give you. Uh, a glimpse of who I might be talking about. Um, if you couldn't tell who one of them is just by listening. Um, all right. I guess that was it for Gridman. Uh, shall we talk about what other anime we've been watching? Sure. All right. I'll start first this time. Um, Ooh. Cause I have that power. Uh, ha ha ha. I'm <laughs> the God of this podcast. Me and my friend, Alexis, oh my God. uh, Carib are <laughs> taking control. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. My, me and my friend, uh, not Inferno cop. Um, uh so um uh i finished lupon part six uh or lupon the third part six that had its last episode air last weekend um i i didn't really care for the like final arc it was very stupid (laughs) um extremely stupid i mean it was like fun to watch um but kind of like my complaint about lupon part five like the overarching plot was just not very interesting i liked all the one-off episodes um, or maybe episodes that like kind of loosely tied into the overarching plot. Um, so overall, I enjoyed it, but not one of my favorite Lupin series. 
um if you want to watch uh a full like a lupon tv series but want to watch something more recent the part four which is kind of the big return to tv for lupon is the one i always recommend um i don't think they've managed to hit quite that high with part five or part six but i'm still glad they're making more lupon um I also finished, uh, I don't think I've talked about this at all, um, but the last episode of um, the, like, Bandori YouTube short anime, um, Gurupa Pico uh, Fever, I think is what season three is called, uh, just had its last episode this week. Um, uh, not much to say about that, but I did finish it, and I'm just waiting for another proper season of Bang Dream, and also, as I tweeted out, I'm just still chasing that high of Bang Dream season one, uh, which was way better than it had any right to be um i really need to go back and watch all the ba- the uh, pandori anime because i've seen a few episodes of season one and was mm-hmm. playing the game for a bit until i realized playing <laughs> the same songs over and over daily bad yeah, yeah the anime's good the first season is really good and they just it hasn't been quite as good since but it, it's still enjoyable um the short form gurapa pico stuff is uh it's fine but it's i watched the first season and i really enjoyed the first season of them they're just short and dumb and sometimes yeah i feel like that. uh they've kind of over like they've done three seasons now so that's like what like 70 something episodes oh, like God. it's way too <laughs> many uh and they've they've run out of good jokes to tell also like there's because i don't play the mobile game anymore there's like a whole new band worth of girls in it now but they haven't been introduced in the actual anime where story happens so i have no idea what any of their deals are uh, so anytime they have like an episode, I'm like, I don't, who, who are you? Um, but I finished that, uh, uh, new love live show started yesterday, uh, second season of, uh, Nijigasaki, um, which rules the first season was really good. Uh, first episode was really strong. Um, I would say the thing that separates this particular love live offshoot from other love life stuff is that like it's not as much about like a core unit as the other ones are each girl kind of is like their own like solo performer and they just kind of like band together to like support one another and so the way the performances kind of work in those episodes is they're kind of stylized like music videos almost um where they just kind of like you know there's, there's no like you know hard reality to the scene um they'll like start a performance and then it'll you know, like music video aesthetic, like, oh, suddenly you're in one location and then another, and it's like not meant to make like literal real sense, but it allows them to do really cool things stylistically. Um, they do a lot of that in the first episode of the second season, and it fucking slaps. Um, also, there's a new girl uh, who's uh, from Hong Kong, and she speaks in Chi- like randomly speaks in Chinese and uh, Canton, or sorry, specifically Mandarin and Cantonese uh, throughout uh, the episode, and it rules. They should put more Chinese girls in them love live is what i'm saying love her and i love uh uh that's uh <laughs> lancho is the new character and then i loved uh cuckoo from um love live uh superstar um so yeah of course that was good and as i as i tweeted yesterday the, the tyler the creator tweet of uh, follow me now this is all i've ever wanted i won't shut up about it um, <laughs> so, yeah i need to maybe i'll just go watch uh nijigasaki on my own because uh i've been watching through Love Live with my girlfriends, but we pivoted to watching Simple Gear instead because that's more their speed. So maybe I'd go watch the first season alone so I can watch it as it's airing. It's really good and also like a bit more explicitly gay than Love Live uh, can be at times. So, uh, you know, it's good. <laughs> um, 
And then still watching Voltes 5. I watched two episodes of that today. I'm in like the last stretch. I'm watching that along with Great Gundam Projects. It's taking me a while to get through, but man, they just don't make anime like they used to. Um, <laughs> and speaking of, they don't make anime like they used to, but derogatory, uh, still watching Seed Destiny. I am 30 episodes <laughs> in. I think I'm going to do what I did with the last 20 episodes of Seed and just power through them this week. Um, so I don't know. I'll check in next time whether I'm dead or not after <laughs> after that. Uh, but I'm just so I'm, braver I, than I am. I just hit the same point that I hit with seed where i'm like i just need to be done with this i cannot stand this i literally say to myself while watching episodes god i cannot stand this <laughs> like multiple times an episode um <laughs> uh, but i hate myself so i'm, I'm doing it uh it's uh, no one is forcing me to do this uh, i i'm blinking twice i'm blinking once to say i'm okay and i'm not being held at gunpoint watching seed destiny um and that's it i think i might have forgotten something but i that's mostly it i just wanted to talk about how good love life is uh danielle do you want to go next all right um no anime for me this week but uh vns and manga um we'll start with the two vns because they're they were both by the uh, same author ebihime who um y'all might or might not know she's like fairly small oel vn creator um read two of hers recently the first was well not the first one i started but the first one i finished was all the words she wrote like cute little story of a um, girl becomes live-in housekeeper for uh, Ella, an author whose work she admires, even though it's, like, garbage, but she's like, ah, oh, yeah, this garbage harem trash. I like the pretty girls with big tits in it. It's like, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, which is absolutely the better VN of the two, was uh, Blackberry Honey, um, Yuri VN about uh, two maids. Uh, yeah, very good. Mm -hmm. Just... Go read it if you're into maids having sex with each other. I do like maids other. having sex with each other. Um, <laughs> get it, yeah. If you don't like that, I don't think we could be friends. Sorry. But <laughs> then the two manga. Uh, first one that I would have mentioned last time if I didn't die <laughs> was uh, Murcielago, which is weird. Um, it's basically an edgy action manga where, like, um, main character is, like, would totally be like imprisoned for murdering a lot of people but ends up becoming it's like similar setup to chainsaw man where it was like oh yeah you're the kinds of people we want to lock up but no you go do all the dirty work for us with it but the thing is <laughs> like um almost all the main characters in it are lesbians and the main character is just like a huge fucking pervert and consistently having sex with all like most of the other women of age in it um a Twitter Mutual described it as murderous and comprehend, <laughs> and yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty good description of it. It's exactly um, my kind of garbage because it's like very, very gay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at images of it and uh... recommendation if you want something that's like very gay and you can deal with like, like sort of problematic representations of uh, queer women because like, it's, like at least like. It still is going for the the uh, characters are very explicitly gay and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just yeah. You'll know if you like it from that oh, description sure. or not. I was looking at images of it and um, I see that the title uh, Mercy Alago is not an accident. That because I see one of these these yeah I was gonna say one the of these images does have the literal <laughs> Lamborghini Mercy Alago in it. So quite <laughs> asked and answered. Yeah, also has lots of women's in women's in, women in suits. If you're into that. 
if you're into women in suits, might I recommend the first episode of Love Live Nijigasaki season two? Just, I'm just saying. I guess that I'd kept up on it. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Believe me, I follow enough people on Twitter to. No, this is this is me reaching out to the listener to to let them know since I did not mention the multitude of suits. Yeah. Uh, in that first episode. Um, second manga is I've started reading a uh, Dead Dead Demons Did a Did Destruction. Um very much enjoying it so far excited to see where it goes but there are a few chapters where i'm like um for context i am reading the fan subs and i feel like it's partially because of that but um yeah there's the chapters focusing on the main cast i love i'm definitely getting what the author is trying to say there but there's like a few chapters that like focus on basically like american otaku and i'm like i'm so confused at what points are trying to be made here hmm. It's. I think it's due to poor translation. It's. It's weird. I. It would. Please. Uh, that makes me feel like it's going to get worse. <laughs> I don't know. I need to look at the actual um, official translation of the volume. Try to see. Try to parse it. Or maybe it comes up later. I don't know. It's just that one chapter to me was impossible to parse. What? Which? But aside from that, I'm really enjoying. I think it was like forty nine. It's the same one where Trump appears and like, they're complaining that, oh, the feminists are making us censor our what? character designs. And, oh, Japan's so peaceful. What? Uh, it's it's so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Putting, putting it lower on my list of manga, I plan to read some day. <laughs> Not going to lie. Yeah, <laughs> don't no, need, it, don't uh, need to know. Yeah, it, it goes some places and I'm like, what the fuck? And it's a whole thing we could talk about it once you finished it but yeah uh it's a whole thing <laughs> god but enjoying it other than that like i said i'm only halfway through opinions might change but yeah i was very much more enjoying the uh the parts where it's we're just following these high school girls living with like alien invasion happening in the background like i was found it like a lot more engaging when it was focusing on the two main girls and how they were reacting to things rather than seeing like all the people like um more involved with the invasion mm-hmm. stuff um i realize that's personal taste but yeah also i do love the two main girls they're both kind of gremlins and that part's fun and we all yeah we all love that's gremlin, it for me uh representation love to be she's like literally going on like gamers Hell are yeah. the most oppressed people mm-hmm. <laughs> tell, tell it queen <laughs> If, a- if Akane doesn't say the same thing in the last six episodes of Gridman, then what was the fucking point? <laughs> uh, Danny, what have... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, since you preempted this earlier, what have you been doing over there? <laughs> Nothing. Um, been playing uh, Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, still a masterpiece. Uh, anyone who says that uh, like it's co- like the Metal Gear Solid series is, is complicated just needs to shut their brain off. Like just uh i don't know like just don't get bogged down in in all the particulars and and you can it's a lot more straightforward than you than you think um same thing with kingdom hearts just saying <laughs> well the problem is with kingdom hearts there's just nothing else care. to to balance out the 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 bad the badness of the, the the whatever the fuck uh they're doing with that but um uh other than that i just been kind of keeping up with the mangas that i've been reading generally uh of which there are many and i don't have the list up but you know stuff that's not finished yet the only thing that i've recently finished finished was uh dead dead demons um and yeah shout out for that for for ending uh chapter 100 i like that it ended on that number 
also it's getting an anime adaptation. Oh yeah, it's notable because uh, the author has is known for not okaying anime adaptations of his work. Yeah, which is interesting because a lot of his work is uh, uh, not. I, I I don't see why it couldn't be adapted uh, easily because um, it's all most of it's very slice of life kind of thing. But uh, there's also a lot of the work that. Uh, makes it clear that he has a, a very strong contempt for the industry in which he works. Uh, so I guess whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to try to uh, biographize him based off of his work, but based off stuff that he said, I can imagine him not wanting to be involved with the anime industry. I don't know. But yeah, other than that, just Mel Gear Solid and, and rewatching uh, Hannibal, because I just can't get enough of Maz Mikkelsen and Hugh Dan- uh, Dancy. Well, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Okajima. Thank you for uh, bringing that to the table. Um, <laughs> I saw Morbius today. <laughs> God, I shout outs to him for like doing all of his like Twitter screeds about like, oh, Sean the Sheep really illustrates what we have to say about blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then his Morbius tweet is just saw Morbius and IMAX. <laughs> it's like, sure, <laughs> nothing to say about that one. Anyway, um, catch us next time to talk about Morbius. Um, no. Uh, yeah. next, next time we will finish Gridman uh, with episodes 7 through 12. This will be another short one. Uh, and then Danielle will let us know uh, uh, what anime she has in store for us. Um, but until next time, uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Chai underscore squared. Tweeting through it with uh, Seed Destiny. We'll see how that goes. Uh, where can people find you, Danny? can find me at cover me in sauce on twitter just tweeting whatever comes to my mind if anyone ever asks me what context my tweets are made in none they come from a vacuum <laughs> i was gonna say that the twitter is the real mind palace um yeah. you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta build it brick by brick uh danielle where can people find you i'm at les bunny with one n on twitter increasingly living up to the hime joshi in my planning. <laughs> Nice. As time goes on. Uh, you can find us uh, uh, over at Under the Kotatsu um, on Twitter. Um, we are also now on iTunes. We've got our fancy new podcast art. Thank you to uh, at Aqua underscore art on Twitter for uh, that. And um, uh, I'm going to say it because I hear people say it on other podcasts to listen to. And I know you can review people on iTunes. Hey, you should review us on iTunes if you listen to us over there because that like helps or something with the algorithm or whatever. Uh, also, that would be a fun thing for people to do. Uh, you can also uh, send us your questions on Twitter via DM, or you can email us um, uh, over at underthekotatsu.anime at gmail.com. Uh, we will happily answer your questions. I don't believe we got any this time, but feel free to send us questions about uh, literally anything. Talk to me about tokusatsu, please. Um, we Oh, we're also <laughs> on Amazon, by the way. Amazon yeah. slash Audible. Yep, we're on a bunch of places now. Um, uh, if you go over to our Twitter, you can find our link to our Anchor page and find a place that's right for you, uh, <laughs> as I say. Um, but till next time, uh, Danielle, why don't you take us out of here? Uh, B Crimes, do gay? Or, yeah, that's that's the right, <laughs> wrong order. Um, and giant robots fighting giant monsters is cool. Yeah.